thing. No, no, forget that. You can buy orange juice in New Jersey, and it says this product has been uh, is illegal in California because it may cause cancer. <laughs> <laughs> like California has really strict. When are you guys rules. gonna actually like float away? When is that gonna happen? Uh, when Lex Luthor actually fulfills his dream of making Arizona into beachfront property. You know, it used to be. What did? Arizona. Like during the dinosaur age? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. The, it was the Bay of California. Oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Like, yeah. And I mean, you know, there's that shelf. And any day now, that pressure is... Yeah. And then, you know... Yeah. yeah. And then we just need, what's that guy, the big uh, wrestler, to come save us? Yeah. The, the Rock. The Rock, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's from Hayward, <laughs> California. From you guys oh, really? That, yeah. that's, that, that's that one movie where, like, the earthquake happened. Yeah, there was, like, a movie with yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Andreas or San, San Andreas, Andreas or something. Yeah, yeah. Oh, really? So it's not the San Andreas fault, actually. It's the, it's the shelf that's, like, it's like a spring, right? And it's just waiting to, like, slide underneath. And it'll be, like, everything from, like, Portland. You describe it like you're, exp- you're hoping it'll happen. <laughs> no, 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 no. There's a lot of good people in California. Well, Al- Al- Alex has this tendency to somehow describe everything as if, like, it's going to happen now. <laughs> Listen, you know, time doesn't actually exist, right? This yeah. is just our perception of it. Yeah. So it all has happened now already. Yeah. This so, is the reality. So we are live now. So I wanted to uh, introduce our audience. Assalamu alaikum, everyone. Um, so this is a Safina Society podcast. This is Moin. Today we actually have uh, Sheikh Rami here, uh, Rami Ansur from California joining us. Uh, we have a couple of other guests on the show, uh, Waqar from uh, UK and Harun. Um, he was, he's one of us, our Safina students. Uh, he's joining us once again and, and also with me, uh, Alex and Dr. Shehadi al-Masri. Uh, so we'll try to keep the voices uh, at a minimum so it's not distracting for our audiences. But we actually have a full house here and we actually have an, a live audience watching our show. All right, could well. they give a round of applause so we can know how many they are? So, there we go. That's the studio audience. So, Isn't uh, <laughs> clapping bid'ah? Uh, <laughs> can we keep it down over there? I don't know. You tell us. Haram police. I actually had a question. The first question is, a lot of people have this question. In Arabic, you cannot have two sukuns, mm-hmm. right? After each other. And no, no word can begin with a sukun. So how does your last name happen? Oh, <laughs> that is it. That, yeah, Even yeah. in English, English, you can't happen. have a double consonant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To start, you can't start off with certain consonants. Right. So our name, the way we spell it, is N S O U R, and we pronounce it Insur. Yeah. So I said we should like name one of our kids Sweet, so they go to school and they're like, sweet. sweet and sour. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but uh, the word in Arabic is Insur from the plural of eagles, Nusur. But oh. they say it in Jordan in the dialect. They insur. say insur, insur, oh, I see, insur. I see. So there should be a vowel before in, like I or E. Yeah. You know, and when I meet uh, grammar Nazis like yourself, <laughs> you know, I I have to explain that. <laughs> and even that would be a, a dialectic like Arabic. It's not. Yeah, it's not. It would be Arabic, nusur. Yeah. Nusur. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So, nusur. so yeah. if I was going to do nusur, it'd be in U S O R. But oh. the first member of our family that spelled it in English, that's why he did it, and. And that's just how he spelled yeah. it. And then we just keep it that way. Yeah. I got you. I got you. Sheikh, if I can interject two points. First, we don't use grammar Nazi anymore. Now it's all right. Oh, yeah. All right Nazi <laughs> with a W. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, uh, as far, you know, being a Maniki, right? When I first saw your name, I was like, oh, mashallah, he's from like North Africa somewhere. Because mm. it's like a French type spelling. Right? Yeah. Would the French have any influence <clears throat> on the Levant, right? They had influence on the Levant. Yeah. Uh, from the days of Salah din no, not the recently. Crusades. The Syrians, because the Syrians. Oh, the Syrians, the Syrian. maybe, yeah. So maybe yeah. that trickled down some of that French and the situation. Lebanese too. Yeah. Maybe, yeah. And yeah. it's better though than in England when a lot of those people came over. The way they chopped up the idafas, because you know, in the uh, Daisy subcontinent, their names are all idafa. 
like Najmuddin, right? Rafi'uddin, like this. So I met a man whose official name is Muhammad Allah. Ooh, okay. <laughs> so I said, how did your name become Muhammad Allah, right? And he's like, <clears throat> it's something like, it's Muhammad, like Najmullah or something like that. Mm. Or something like so they broke up the idafa. So it was like my official middle name is like Najm, and then my last name is Allah. So it ends up being Muhammad Allah. His last name was Allah. Right? I was like, I think you actually need to go to court and change your name again. <laughs> but um, you know, there was a basketball player in the NBA named uh, Ala. Oh yeah, Nabi. Yeah, they used to always call him Allah. Right? Allah, Allah Abdul Nabi. Yeah, unbelievable. <laughs> so uh, I did actually want to get started. Um, so. Recently, I uh, read an article, and and it's slightly unrelated to the topic that I want to talk about. But I read an article that was about we were we were actually talking about predictive crime, right? And I read an article about a, a new software that that the U.S. has been using uh, in some areas in California and and some in the Northeast called Predpol. It actually is a predictive crime analytics software. It it can predict for <coughs> You where a crime will happen in what region and how it'll happen. Mm. Did you say it's right? named Pred? Pred Pole, right? That's a sound. And they're saying because of predictor, but it's really predator. Predator. Right? Like there's a double, there's an yeah. intentional. I mean, that sounds yeah. like some of those things. That sounds like something you see in a Terminator movie. Yeah. Like, yeah, the jail's on the way. Yeah. So, anyways, there's a software called Pred Pole, right? And it, the, the essay was interesting. It talked about how it says that it takes into consideration, you know, race because. The software says that, okay, crime is more likely to happen in this region, for example, a ghetto in, in Camden, right? It's more likely to happen by in By zip this, code. Yeah, for example, by zip code. And it's like, oh, let, well, they'll say that, that in this African-American region, it's more likely to happen. Uh, but they say that it now takes into consideration, you know, the concept of race and it gets rid of this bias. But what the essay talked about was how crime for the last you know 100 or 200 years has already been predicated on race and discrimination and so using all of this previous data you mean right? the conviction of crimes yes yeah the not the actual the conviction yeah. of crimes right has been predicated on racism discrimination mm. for the past like 200 years in, in in the u.s and because of that the way the software calculates its <clears throat> algorithm it actually will now incarcerate more people who are from a minority background and so, like, you know, I wanted to, I know, Sheikh Rami, you work with the prison system. And this is just something that, that I was, like, thinking about, you know, about future, you know, incarcerations and, 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 and how it'll work in this country, especially with, like, modern technology and things like that. It's really, really an interesting concept I've been thinking about. Yeah, well, I think to, to understand that, to understand modern US mass incarceration as it stands now, we have to go back to slavery and the Civil War. Mm. Because mass incarceration began directly after the, uh, the Civil War. And this is not like a conspiracy theory or something that's just a fringe. This is a well-known fact. If you look at the numbers of how many black people were being incarcerated post-slavery or post-emancipation of slavery and post-Civil War, it is a direct correlation between the two. So there was a direct rise in uh, the, the imprisonment of, of slaves. And a lot of people, like I ask... Uh, actually, recently I was given a talk on <clears throat> Islam, and so some people they were asking me a few about some of the laws, like the laws of 
stoning the person. I said, well, you know, those laws, they're there in the books, but here's the, the, the conditions under which that would have to occur for it to actually be implemented. It's mm -hmm. a very rare occurrence. So, yeah, there are things on the books, but we also look in, we look in the context. We look at the current, you know, there's an application. There's a science of understanding what the law is and then the application. And I told him, I said, as an example, do you think as an American citizen in your country, in our country, that slavery is, is 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 abolished and they said yeah of course you know we all celebrate in february and emancipation proclamation but the 13th amendment actually allows for sla uh, for slavery as a punishment for the crime now they don't now call them actual slaves but it's the slave labor uh, or the prison labor is as if it's uh, the, as if they're slaves so it was a it was it was a, a means to replace the slave labor on the plantations so mm -hmm. if we look at that it was definitely um uh, it was predicated by color you know uh, african-american men were overly represented in the prison system at right. that time and even now um there's a, a clear disparity one example is the uh the whole um cracked uh crack to cocaine it's called the hundred to one um uh, ratio ratio you know so if you had one one gram of of uh of, of crack crack yeah it it would be worse than having 100, 100 grams oh, yeah. of, of cocaine and who are the cocaine users and the who executives are the, the executives so there's more people there's overrepresentation of crack, uh, of cocaine if it's in crack form which is under uh, with, with yeah, minorities right. and poor that are that are using it um so that you have to understand that with what's going to be in the future because now the, a lot of the laws that that cause those people to go into prisons now those laws are changed as well you can you can assume that people are going to want to keep that prison industry going yeah. so of course they're going to start doing that stuff <clears throat> predicting crime and start conviction passing laws on convicting people before they even commit a crime because if the uh, law enforcement utilize that software they're naturally going to concentrate their officers in a certain area right and it's going to end up you know fulfilling itself well, so you know. if I can just throw in, and I don't want to get the listeners blear-eyed, but just some quick statistics. There's a national health survey uh, on, drug and, on drug use and health that's done. This survey found that white youth, and they're like 12 to 17 is the age range that they're looking at, they sold drugs about 35% more than African-American youth, white youth. They consumed cocaine at like three times the rate. Mm -hmm. um, consume marijuana at 1.5 times the rate. Heroin use was about even. Um, however, African-Americans were arrested, at like uh, this, the actual statistic is at twice the rate of Which whites. makes me wonder, if they're really going after marijuana, that it's a problem, how are there any fraternities left? <laughs> yeah, well, this is the right? thing. So It's but, like the openly, every whole world knows frat houses are basically places where you can, yeah. you can just get smoke weed so so what happens this racialization this racialization of crime is that white kids are doing in terms of drug crimes more yeah some cases about even but generally more and are being arrested half as much as black it's kids because are. It's and once assumed. you're in the system as a youth it's it's game over yeah, yeah. yeah game's over i mean and just even if we go beyond drugs if you you just mentioned earlier alex about a uh, a kid that a young guy that got 10 years for having two marijuana plants yeah 10 years and everybody knows about the stanford race rapist he got three months unbelievable yeah, exactly. three months unbelievable. now he ruined this woman's life she's gonna have trauma for the rest of her yeah. life and he got three months in, in jail That's insane. Yeah. and somebody else who had marijuana for his own personal use. I'm not for, I'm not supportive of marijuana for, you know, uh, recreational use at all. But um, uh, why would why would he get 10 years? And then you had a guy who a kid, very rich kid from Dallas, Dallas suburbs, who I think, I don't know, got drunk. He killed four people, killed four people. And then went to Mexico. Then 
the judge let him off on affluenza. Yeah. A psychological what? syndrome of affluenza, which basically so affluent that he really doesn't know right versus wrong. Wait, his parents is, raised him in, a, in such an environment that they didn't teach him right from wrong. They told, he's they a spoiled him, like, brat, like, essentially. Yeah. He just had the right to do whatever, so that's how he grew up, so it wasn't really his fault. Yeah. But then that's an excuse for every kid that's grown up in yeah. a broken family. I mean, and you that, can right. make that excuse for anything. That like, judge... Just be like, oh, you know, I, I'm so poor that I don't understand. Why yeah. is there no, like, you know, poor no, literally, literally, the psychiatrist said he was pampered so much that there's no hisab on him. He's not mukallaf, basically. He's not. He's not to be judged because he had so much. And then we that's hear what I call stories. affluenza, afflu, affluent influenza. We hear so many stories of of, of people. Let's just like just take rapists. You know, they always want to. The the West and the and a lot of the the media wants to say, oh, the Muslims in oppressive society and they oppress their women, and that's a buzzword too, right? As soon as you start like touching on the the idea of oppression of women in America, well, what about Saudi Arabia? You know, like, yeah. well, it's, that sounds like kindergarten. You know, you're talking yeah. to a little kid about what are you doing? Well, what about Timmy? He does this, you know. Yeah. It sounds, all it is, a lot of that stuff is just like they're in kindergarten, yeah. but now they're in the bodies of like, yeah. you know, it was like that one thing. What was it? Uh, Tom Hanks, big. Yeah. You know, so now these kindergartens got big and they got they're podcasts. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> not you guys, you know, but all these Islamophobes. Yeah. They're just kindergartners with a, with a loud mouth, yeah. loud, annoying mouth, sound like a, a kindergartner. <laughs> And, and and now they got millions of listeners. Um, but what about all these race these rapists here that happen here in America? We're talking about like millions yeah. of yeah. rapes. And there are people that will literally get out of prison. Let's just talk about forget the people that don't even get convicted. They get out after five years, ten years. I know one person that spent twenty years of his life for a quarter gram of crack cocaine. Twenty years. And there's rapists that get out after ten or fifteen. Well, and, and then the executives brag about it openly. About what? Right. About uh, uh, having cocaine. Like executives, they all brag about like you know, Wall using it. Wall yeah. Street executives, like they all brag about it. Mm-hmm. Like they all do it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 it's treated in certain circles. It's treated as if it's nothing. Right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, if you're if you're like a black kid in the in, in a bad neighborhood and you have a little <clears throat> bit of crack, now yeah. you're the worst person that ever lived. Yeah. And you should be locked away. And, and then for the Muslim, you know, like for us, if we're looking at it from a Muslim worldview, I mean, what's worse, marijuana or alcohol? Let's be honest. Alcohol. Alcohol, alcohol is way worse. It's worse. Yeah. So way for us, worse. it's like, okay, alcohol is le- like, I'm a, coming from the airport or going to the Mesha today. I saw the big Budweiser brewery, yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, you know, right. and right like, and they're airport. so proud of it. It's like, you know, they loved when Obama goes out and he gets, he yeah, has his he hot has dog and a beer in his hand and he's yeah. at a baseball game. Like that's real American. Yeah. Like that's what that's what you that's what you define American yeah. culture as. I don't think George Washington had a beer and a hot dog at a you know at a <laughs> at a game. game. Crazy Horse didn't have. I mean, by which standard are we going to judge what it means to be yeah. an American? Yeah. And but so much facade, so much filth comes out of alcohol. My dad was a highway engineer, and he studied a lot of these statistics. And he was he would tell people he said you think you think um, there's all these other programs all these other boogeymen right yeah. like like the 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 the, the terrorists the Muslim terrorists they're coming to get us and creeping Sharia and all this well what about the eighty thousand deths a year alcohol related and a million mm-hmm. maimed by alcohol that's insane but if you mention that it's like well our, our American yeah. ways well what about uh, how many people take what's the percentage of people or the ratio of people who use marijuana versus use alcohol. Oh, What's the ratio? Let's say uh, the last survey that I looked at, it was like, have you used it once in the last six months? Marijuana, yeah. adult Americans, it was like forty plus percent. So okay, so a lot, a ton, right? Uh, yeah. So the question is, is what is the, uh, you know, like when you're driving high on marijuana? Yeah, it's right. dangerous. It's dangerous. But how many but people kill using yeah. marijuana? Because they want to. They get almost like really, you know, you know, yeah. none. But yeah. alcohol is, you know, is going to get people agitated and yeah. yeah. 
And so, ex- so, the, so actually, I don't know. Do people? I think actually people calm down a little bit. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, they yeah. just want to sit on their marijuana. couch and watch. They're actually like something. more harmless and if watch the wall. If he's <laughs> if he's a harmful person, right? You might want him. Hi. Yeah. Right? It'll cool him well, down. Sedate him through yeah. uh, through marijuana. Yeah. It's um, kind of like when the kids get a little bit too rowdy. You're like, man, sedate him. Turn that TV on. You know, that's heroin yeah. for kids. Like, you know, come on. <laughs> There's an institute. I don't know if it's in Washington or in Northern California. Um, uh, I think it's called Maps. That they're doing uh, like legitimate university-based uh, government-funded testing on using like certain drugs like marijuana and MDMA to treat PTSD and to treat anxiety and oh, those wow. kind of things. Right. Um, so what you're saying is intuitively is actually something that scientists yeah, are looking at now. Yeah. yeah. Um, <clears throat> as opposed to alcohol, which doesn't do any benefit. There's no benefit. Well, yeah, let's just hope they don't try to start using marijuana on the uh, the ADHD kids and stuff. You know, <laughs> I'm sure. Uh, sure uh, Timmy needs to get high after yeah. school. <laughs> you know, I mean, what, they're, what they're using now is basically you know it's just methamphetamines. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a, you know, Ritalin, uh, Adderall. That's just methamphetamines. And, and when I look at uh, people trying to get off alcohol, it's far harder to get off of that than to get off of, you know, these lower end drugs, which is not to justify them. We're not like praising yeah. marijuana here. But when I look at England, when I lived in England, the whole country like resides on khamr. Like mm-hmm. from 12 noon, they're drinking khamr. Sometimes in the morning, they're drinking khamr. Every single member of the English society? Uh, yes. Maybe more. That sounds like a very <laughs> scientific <laughs> fact. Right? I mean, if you ask for directions in England, <laughs> Guarantee 100% the name of a pub will be used to give you directions. Like, go here. Is that true? Is this true? This is true. All right. But put Wakar on so he could tell us that they're going to tell you you're going to pass by the green line pub, right? Then turn left on the red line pub, right? (laughs) And and I have the P. Ask anyone in England when you ask for directions in London, 100% of the time he will use a pub as a landmark. And it's so endemic in their culture that now I understand why in Sharia. We're set, said to stay so far away from it because once it enters in, it's very hard to remove out, mm. unlike many other things. But even in regards to, you know, alcohol recently, we've had a, a lot of research that was, uh, the Guardian published it, uh, that states even a glass of wine, because we have that common saying that a glass of wine a day is good for you, but yeah. even a glass of wine a day is now shown to have negative effects. Uh, it has it has so many so many carcinogenics in it as well. And I think the same benefit is in grape juice, grape juice, unfiltered grape like, juice, unfiltered grape juice. But and also here's the thing too is uh, the the Sharia doesn't let us even sit in a, the same space where there's alcohol. So recently, I've been thinking about how much alcohol is presented in in movies, right? Like biz, it's bizarre yeah. how it's much glamorized. It's glamorized yeah. how much the important person. How many scenes have you seen where the important person he's got his side angle shot of him or his back to the camera and he's pouring a very handsome bottle of scotch or whiskey or whatever they're pouring right i mean it's it's everywhere i mean it, it's ingrained in culture i remember i was uh at work once and my coworkers they they you know they they go out to like happy hour at the end of the day and we had like a product lunch so I, I was the product owner so they were like oh you know come out have some drinks with us i was like no nah, i'm not going to do that um, so they were like, all right, you know, after a while, I was like, I, I, I gave some concession. I was like, okay, let's go to a restaurant. Mm-hmm. You know, I'll sit at a table. You know, you guys can sit at the other table, you know, have a few drinks or whatever. So we try to go to this restaurant, right? It was closed. Now there's a, there's another guy on the team. It was closed. We started walking to another restaurant that was closed. And they were like, okay, let's go to a bar. And I was like, I'll, I'll, maybe I'll stand outside. Everything was closed. After a while, you know, I was like, guys, let's just go to Starbucks or something. We can sit down. The entire team erupted. 
They're like, oh, you know what the, the one guy, you know what he said to me? Yeah. He's like, you know what? And he said it in very colorful language, which I won't say here. He's like, yeah. you know, he's like, we might as well grab a couple of candy bars and we should just start eating that outside because now we're kids. Now we're just going to go to Starbucks. Wow. I was like, this is, and that, that's how, that's how like yeah. deeply rooted it's gotten where it's like, not drinking alcohol, right? Is yeah. like you're no longer. Yeah, you're not adult. even adult. You're, you're not, not adult, an adult yeah, yeah. anymore. And right? here's here's the thing that happened with me is that uh, you see alcohol so much, and as a Muslim kid, it's like there's a wall between you and alcohol. You don't even think about it, and you don't like the smell of it, so it's not even something you think about. But there was a there was a place where we went through. We seen alcohol so much, it just hit my mind. Why do people love this thing so much? Like, how does it make them feel? So that question came into my mind. And then that's when I realized if here I am, a Muslim who works in a masjid, who has been a Muslim my whole life, and yet still that question came into my mind. How does it make that feel? It's that question. When it grows in your head and you actually try it once, right? That's where it starts. And that's why no one should take for granted that you're like immune because you come from a Muslim family. It's all around us so much that someday you might ask the question, and even if you do, you have to know where to and stop. And they're already asking. I mean, there's there's a number of uh, polls that have been done by about Muslims on campuses here in the U.S. And it's like 50% of them have tried alcohol. Mm-hmm. There was one sister, she was she was hijabi and going to like frat parties, mm-hmm. getting liquored up in her hijab. And so now I know that's better than her not wearing a hijab. But the, the fact is, you know, you it see a person. It didn't stop her. Yeah. And, you know, there, there's, there's, there's one thing of the person, okay, getting drunk. Somebody say, well, why is it haram? Well, it's also a protection of, uh, of, of not only our body, but it's also a protection of nesab, mm-hmm. right? Of lineage. Yeah. Because how many cases of infidelity happen when people are drunk? And birth. So yeah, now you have the breakdown of families. You have uh, children out of wedlock. You have women getting raped. And I, I'm not, I don't want to victim blame. Yeah. But when these stories happen, when, when a woman does get raped, like let's take, for example, the Stanford rape case, right? I would not want anybody to go through anything like that. And even if they were drunk, you know, they should, nobody should be taken advantage of uh, in, in that state. But the real, the fact of the matter remains that if a person was not drunk, they still have yeah. their faculty of reasoning yeah. and they can see a danger when it's coming, they but they're going to take advantage of somebody, especially somebody that's going to get drunk yeah. very easily. So a number of these cases where, especially where girls get like, like gang raped yeah. at parties, they're, they're, they're flat out yeah. drunk yeah. and nobody talks about the alcohol mm-hmm. because if you mention the alcohol, now it's You're victim, victim blaming. blaming. Yeah. Well, yeah. we're not victim blaming. We're saying yeah. that, I mean, in the Sharia that if a person rapes a woman, that's death. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's the, it's capital punishment. Mm-hmm. And of course, that has to go through due, due process and so forth. But that's yeah. what we believe. I don't believe rapists should just be locked up. I, f- I think they should be gassed. Yeah. But um, uh, uh, here we have a person that's putting themselves in a situation by using alcohol, getting drunk. And, and it's not then, part of the discussion. And it's, it's not part of the discussion. It's eliminated from the discussion. Well, yeah. And you're backwards if you bring it up. It, it, you know? It's a part of the discussion in as far as they'll say that if a person is that blackout drunk or even just drunk that she can no longer give consent so even consensual sex is automatically rape in that situation right this is a campus rule Uh, uh, throughout america they're not addressing the real problem which is why don't you just make it a dry campus yeah just ban alcohol from the campus and and i want to bring up two points uh related to both of these things and i kind of wanted to go on these tangents for a reason um one is and my biggest point which i want to bring to is that in both of these situations Right, and I want to relate them the, the the case of you know the inmates and and alcohol, 
and discrimination and 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 also the the use of alcohol is this idea right that even muslims nowadays have actually made alcohol permissible mm. there's many muslims like this which openly like if in lots of cultures especially like there's lots of like Indian cultures and Pakistani cultures, South Asia, South Asia, you go back to the countries, people, Muslims are outrightly drinking as if it's completely okay. You mean they, they've actually said it's permissible or they're they acting as like if they're treating like it's permissible? Both. You've heard people say oh, that yeah. it's, it's, it's halal? You're, you're There's no problem with Islam. it? Yeah. Both. Really? Yeah. You'll be outside of Islam. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah. right. Yeah, but but they've they've now convinced people, right? Like, yeah. oh, this is, you know, they'll they'll use some convoluted way to confuse someone well, who doesn't know the Sharia, right? Yeah. They'll be like, okay. Uh, are they yeah. using uh, Imam Abu Hanifa's fatwa? For I mean, I don't know Nabi, what they're doing, yeah. but, but even then, there's lots of people right, Imam Malik who, to the rescue. who have made it okay. <laughs> and here's my issue, and it's not even that's the issue. My issue is Muslims nowadays are so... Uh, they're, they're, we're not tackling the issues that matter. Like right now, we're talking about inmates. We're talking about drug, alcohol abuse. Mm-hmm. When are these issues talked about? Mm. Almost never. You mean in the Muslim community? Absolutely. Because a lot of there's a lot of denial. You know, like yeah. one thing, for example, you know, I deal with a lot of uh, Muslims who have become uh, people who have become Muslim in prisons. When they come out, if they were if they converted to Islam, they can tell their story, and the whole message is like, "Oh wow, tell us your story about how you became Muslim as a prisoner," and they'll actually mm. automatically give them a pass. But there's a number of Muslims who are born Muslim, Arabs, Afghani, Indian, Pakistani, Fijian, whatever, you know, uh, uh, from, from a multitude of countries. But if they, if they come to the masjid, do you think anybody wants to hear their story? No. They're not. They're automatically yeah. going to think like, oh, your parents messed up. They should be so, you know, ashamed of you. Because you're soiling the You're image. soiling, yeah. yeah. What's the difference? But they don't want to break it. They don't want to deal with the... Fa- so So what happens is is that these Muslim people who were born Muslim, raised in Muslim families, they go to prison, they come back, they're not able to share their stories. They yeah. can't share their stories. If they shared their stories, then people might realize, oh my God, my kids could end up in prison. Yeah. Just one week ago in Union City, five minutes from our office, there was a 21-year-old uh, Muslim from, from, from Fremont, California. He was gunned down in a drug deal gone bad. He was a drug dealer. He pulled up in his Mercedes. Two people in the back. The other people had three, uh, three, uh, three people in their Muslim car. Kids. Muslim. Well, at least the the kid who got killed was Muslim. Twenty one year old Muslim drug dealer. The people who were there to buy or sell or whatever, just from their car with uh, with assault rifles, yeah. gunned everybody down. One died. The Muslim kid died, and two are in critical condition. But the thing that I thought about is that that kid, twenty one years old, when so he would be born around ninety five or something. So he's growing up in the same city where I'm growing up. What are his parents doing or yeah. not doing, aware or not aware, that eventually he gets to the point that he's selling drugs and gets gunned down in a drug deal gone bad in an area that's not known for drugs. What happened? And, uh, heroin is, is creeping into these suburbs. Like, do you think these handsome, well-dressed, well-groomed suburbs, right? But heroin is creeping into a lot of these suburbs. And it's very hard to discuss because a lot of people have, like, have no clue like, how do I, like, what am I supposed to do? So how am I supposed to discuss it? Don't do it. That's all the only thing to say, right? So people just we, deny it. Yeah. Keep my head in the ground like an ostrich. And this is where normalization has a negative side. Because you said, like, hijabis who are going, you know, hijabis are, in some places, uh, it's almost normalized in some places, right? And this is the downside of normalization, is that you can actually, you know, be introduced to a slippery slope. Whereas before, if you were odd because of your culture... Or you were, you know, not normal because of, like, your culture was, you know, a small percentage culture. 
that actually might have done you a service, right? That being the odd man out because of cultural reasons may have done you a service. You being normalized, right? And this happened in, uh, a sister told me from New Haven, in that her grandson is born a Muslim. Okay, her grandson's born a Muslim. She's saying the problem is that Islam is very widely accepted in the African-American neighborhood, right, where their son lives. So his name being a Muslim name, his having a hijab imam and dad with a beard has not stopped any of the girls or any of the other guys from trying to lure them lure or invite them in to be their friend, be part of the parties and all that stuff. Because now you got to be worried about girls and guys going after yeah. their son, right? Yeah, whereas, uh, like, most... And it's, and it's, you forget Where, about it's. And, and Z's hits. and G's yeah. and Jews and Jaws. Yeah. <laughs> so whereas in the past, or in the, in the recent past, you just being culturally different as, as an immigrant was actually did a lot for you. Right in a in sense of there were some negatives, but there were a lot of things that it actually helped you. you so, know? Sheikh Ramesh, with your permission, I'd like to bring Omar in here yeah. because you're from the UK, right? Yeah, yeah. And this yeah. is like a whole other Birmingham. situation. He's there. still He's confused when you said slippery slope because they say slippery <laughs> stone, stone yeah. or something. Are like you that serious? Over there? Yeah. yeah. So rather than sliding street, I guess you slip and fall. He's from Birmingham. <laughs> but so in the UK, your community is like more integrated right so you have areas where it's all muslims and the crime uh, is all muslim um somewhat like in our communities we we are somewhat isolationist in the in the sense that uh, we keep ourselves to ourselves uh so there is some some adherence to uh, some moral values uh but as increasingly uh, you know pakistani pakistanis in general are attending universities and whatnot we are seeing some assimilation uh but I, I think our scholars are dealing with social issues quite well. Because as, as an American looking at BBC, and I see all these stories about like some crime ring, right? And it'll be like Ahmed. And oh, yeah, you're on about the Rotherham. No, no, not even that. Oh, okay. like, I'm, like insurance scams. and. Oh, yeah, Birmingham, yeah. the city I live in is, the, uh, is known for insurance scams. <laughs> known no, for insurance so, yeah. scams? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, rated so, uh, the so highest. So like, what is that? Like, what, what kind of insurance? A car insurance, mainly. So, so getting car insurance in Asuti is a like deal. Is that true? <laughs> a deal back there is an insurance handler. Basically, checks make sure there's fraud. So that means you're actually checking up, and some of the people doing the fraud are your brothers in the masjid, maybe, possibly. So, right? so, so, tell us about this fraud. So, what is this? What kind of fraud do you handle? Well, I don't understand. Anyone that sort of puts in a, for example, a personal injury claim, claiming okay. that. What percent are Muslim? Oh, we, we don't have those sort of statistics. Actually. No, like <laughs> rough, like yeah. five or 50. Oh, well, for, that you see. 50, that so you see. So one out of two. Percent? Around 55%. One out of two people that you see for insurance fraud is another Muslim guy. Well, so. Oh, I'll say Asian heritage. Asian heritage. So, Asian so, heritage. So what I say to this, right? South Asian. A lot of times okay. people, <laughs> Muslims in America, especially from immigrant backgrounds, will like to say that we're like a model immigrant group and, you know, we're all educated and we're all law-abiding. We're also, yeah, but educated. But if you go back home to our home, somebody's committing the crimes there. Yeah. Somebody's the thief. Somebody's the <laughs> exactly, drug dealer. Yeah. Somebody's the, all of that. It all happens in, and they're all our brothers and sisters yeah. in Islam. And whatever country you're from, they're your brothers and sisters in that yeah. heritage. So it's not like crime doesn't exist among Muslims. Of course. Right? Yeah. Yeah. And that's what, which is the same logic by the same logic. When people always say uh, we need more Muslims in politics, right? Yeah. <laughs> right. One of our uncles here, right, uh, actually a very influential person from the from the nineties. He was 
force people to be teaching anything right here he said then then go back to pakistan and egypt because all the politicians there are muslim <laughs> right and look where it's gotten them yeah right that's why normalization i'm very skeptical about normalization islam is very normal in egypt and pakistan and look where it's got them right it's not normalization that what you need so what do you got to do be isolationist it's not you know not, I'm not isolationists, but you shouldn't, the, the attempt to be normalized, you think that this is going to improve the da'wah, I really don't know if it will be. We need medad, medad meaning we need more tawfiq from Allah, we don't need to worry, right, so much about normalization, like a little bit, but not so much that you think this is going to solve the problem, that people are going to become Muslim or something. No, actually, most people who desire normalization, they want to go on, you know, just in, in, uh, enjoying their easy life without being bothered but would it make you happy that your islam is completely normalized but still people are rejecting your god and your prophet right you haven't achieved anything or that still the bulk of people do consider you guys odd but some people are actually coming in you know some people are actually believing in what you what you what you have what would you rather have mm -hmm. So that's why I think normalization, I'm not like against it, but it's overstated. And it's, it's not, not really, it's not really going to, you know, we saw with or we see with a lot of, say, the rise of Islamophobia. The rise of Islamophobia is also a lot of the people that are Islamophobes talking about uh, negatively about uh, about Islam and the Muslims. They're also the same people that are talking negatively about Native Americans, yeah. about African-Americans, about Latino Americans. So what it boils down to is if you're not white and Protestant in the U.S., white straight male in the u.s you're not part of the normal society yeah. no matter what you do not you're not going to be normal yeah, so this is where i think it's very important to look at people who are very marginalized like say for example the african-american community mm -hmm. and see what they've gone through yeah. and take wisdom from that and one of the people at the head of that is malcolm x and he said in the days of the, the slave there was two kinds of uh, slaves there was the house slave and the field slave. And what did the house slave do? try to do? He tried to do as much as he could to be like master. Yeah. And walk like him, talk like him, love with him, loved mm -hmm. him. Uh, maybe love with him, I don't know. But uh, uh, identified himself with his master more you than the master. You can't say that now. That, that's offensive. To <laughs> I thought this, okay, well. Uh, no, in the... in. Well, actually, no, no I, I take that back. It's actually... Alex actually, I take that back. Him. It was... There was there was the use of, of, of emasculating black slaves and they would sodomize them to emasculate yeah. them really oh yeah and I this is recorded you, so i guarantee you so there will be would, a revisionist yeah. history with gay slaves guaranteed there gay may slaves be, yeah. and gay masters guaranteed. so one of the things that that well, malcolm x said, said he was talking about black slave uh, field uh, field slaves and 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 house slaves and both of them were still slaves the way I equate it to, to today is that you have field Muslims and you have house Muslims. Which are the liberal Muslims, and then you have... Well, whatever. You might have some conservative Muslims that identify with master hmm. more than master identifies with himself. It's, that's the identity. You could have a beard down to your toes and a turban up to your, you know, the ceiling. Yeah. You know, it's got its own orbit. <laughs> you have these already, right? People, What's that? You have these already, right? People supporting yeah. dictators. You have, And it's, ha yeah. it's happened all over the mm -hmm. Muslim, Muslim I, I mean, world. you have Muslims who want to prove their bona fides as Americans so much so that they're like look i sent my son overseas to get killed for this country yeah, yeah. and you're saying that to people who would never send their children and everybody's overseas. proud of that yeah. yeah and we as muslims we're not gonna you know the first thing we should say is we are against armed intervention mm. whether it's a muslim country like whether saudi arabia Mexico. bombing uh, uh, yeah. sorry i'm i'm hitting the table now <laughs> but we have saudi arabian missiles bombing muslims in yemen we're yeah. against that you know if somebody one time i got on a uh, airplane and the, the the customs and immigration guy and now I, later I realized it's a very inappropriate question and I should have responded differently. But he said, so what would you do if you saw a, a terrorist on an airplane? 
I said, what would I do? I said, I'll try to apprehend him. You know, if, if he was trying to do something to harm the people on the plane, I'm going to try to apprehend him. That's my faith. Yeah. You know, he's going to be yelling takbir or Allahu Akbar for his, his, his foulness. And I'm going to t- tackle him and say Allahu Akbar. Yeah. So we're against people doing crazy stuff, whether it's the low-level terrorist or the governments. And so for, for people to idolize, mm. you know, that, that the guy who went up with uh, on uh, uh, Hillary Clinton at the, the oh, DNC, yeah, yeah. right? The, the, yeah. And, you know, and I'll not, probably get a lot of flack for saying this, right? But his son uh, yeah. died, in, uh, died, in, uh, died in a war that we don't believe in. Yeah. We don't believe in mm-hmm. we don't believe in Saddam yeah. as a Muslim country invading uh, invading Kuwait. Mm-hmm. We don't believe any uh, all, all all these wars. We're against these wars. And conscious uh, inches objector. So why do why is he idolized? Mm-hmm. That, that he's mm-hmm. a hero. He's in Arlington like, Cemetery. This is, this is the ideal American. Exactly. Basically. That's like not you the can't ideal be a conscientious. You can't be against uh, th- uh, any military intervention and be an uh, you know idealistic citizen, right? An ideal yeah. citizen. And another thing that happened at the DNC. It was funny. I was walking out of a, a halal uh, store. Very good one. Maybe I could put in a plug. Can I put in a free plug? Sure. you bat Meat and Grill. Go check them out in the Bay Area. Two locations. Milpitas and Union City. Very good. Uh, we were walking out. And why does it, why does I, right as I walk out, I hear Bill Clinton come on. And he's like, and if you're Muslim in this country, yeah. and you love this country, and you hate terrorism, and you want us you know, to fight terrorism, well, then stay here and help us. <laughs> and I said, you know what? Don't put conditions on my citizenship. Yeah, that's exactly. We're talking point. about prison. If you commit a crime and you go to prison, do you lose your citizenship? No. You no, don't. you don't. Yeah. So you don't have to be a law-abiding, tax-paying, card-carrying, you yeah. know, uh, uh, person to be to be so an American. There's fascistic tendencies, right? Yeah. That, it, that you have to support our wars. You're an ideal American. If you're against our wars, somehow you're a fifth column. Yeah. But I mean, we will report. We will report. If somebody's trying to do some terrorist activities, of course, yeah. I'm going to report them. And what was the whole generation? Of, of of Vietnam, uh, march people marching against the war of Vietnam. There was a whole generation, okay, and they were idolized. And then the funny thing is, Muhammad Ali had died that same week. Rahimahullah. Yeah. What was his main thing that he? What was the thing that you know uh, people are idolizing him for? Besides many talents that he had, was that he stood up and went to jail so that he wouldn't have to go to the war. And then we ha- we turn around and we idolize another guy who went. To a war that mm-hmm. he shouldn't believe in. So we are really schizophrenic, honestly. Whosoever is accepted, this is our methodology. Whosoever is accepted, that's what we're... You know, Sheikh, you know. in one of the conferences that happened in North America, they have both the the family of that of that uh, guy that was this at the This makes DC. no sense. You're completely and, schizophrenic. And the, the, the family of uh, Muhammad Ali, yeah. Allah. This makes no sense whatsoever. They're, they're, host, they're having them both yeah. on the... <laughs> I mean, yeah. and to be conscientious objector in Sharia... Uh, to be a conscientious objector is actually quite easy to justify it in Sharia. So many of the Sahaba reasons. did it. They went yeah. out and broke their swords, and they're like, yeah. "This is too complicated, man. It's, you you guys want to fight fit, over exactly. position? I'm, I'm, I'm going to be in the mountains with my goats." And, and how is it? What is the law of of war in Islam? Like there are so many rules of war that you cannot fight with fire. You cannot uh, kill indiscriminately. All of these are the hallmarks of modern warfare. Right, so you would be against modern warfare in from in any country, yeah, especially because countries. of the whole the whole idea of collateral damage. Yeah. And then people, the Muslims ask, okay, then what are we supposed to do? Not defend ourselves? That's not my problem, right? That's not my problem, right? I don't need to have an answer to that. I need an answer of what is my position on war, so that I could know what to be for and what to be against, right? And the 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 law, the letter of the law states we're not supposed to kill with fire. We're not supposed to kill indiscriminately, 
right? And this is what happens. Right? But then work. I mean, defending ourselves. We're not. You don't fly right. four thousand miles away to defend yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in someone else's country. Yeah. Imagine if imagine if a country like Nigeria was to have some kind of naval presence to in near Mexico. The Gulf of Mexico, for the sake of you know protecting national interests. I mean, that if they really happen, look, right? if they really want to pro- uh, uh, protect nas- national interests, national interests, and really love thy neighbor, right? If they want to love thy neighbor and be a Christian nation, like like a lot of these pundits are saying, we're a Christian nation, we're a Christian nation. Say, okay, you really want to love your 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 neighbor? Why don't you use that same military firepower? You want to play with your toys because that's a lot of what they want to do. They just want to play with their toys, yeah. chalk it up to the taxpayers, let us pay for all the, their their military to- toys. How about you eradicate the drug dealers in Mexico hmm. that are chopping the heads off of innocent people day and night? That those are your neighbors. You know, I, I mean, they're talking about building a wall. Just hey, just send Delta Force, the SEALs, all those stuff, yeah. and just eliminate every single mm. one of those know, right? the, the g- drug cartels yeah. and restore some peace and dignity and safety and, and to the lives s- of our spend neighbors. Some money, spend some money to people on those that poor, could yeah. come into our borders very easily, yeah. and yet. We got to go over to Kuwait. Could you Iraq, imagine? Syria. Imagine if half of the money spent on the wars in in Iraq and 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 elsewhere was used to help build up some of your neighbors, like build up some infrastructure in Mexico, right? Then you wouldn't have you wouldn't be complaining about people trying to come into you know your country to work. You would actually build up something, and that's what sadaqa and zakah is all about, right? That you need to actually remove from your wealth. To move it around because eventually you're not going to be enjoying your life when everyone around you is in need. That's the idea. Well, Sheikh, you know, there's also this idea that um, you know, all these all these borders are artificial, right? Yeah. Like, this is our neighbors to the south. We have neighbors to the north. If they want to come here and work and be productive, then that should be allowed. It yeah. shouldn't even be an issue. Like, the, there should not be, like, a stop at the border. Now... You have that problem because we also have a welfare state where, where you can, there are some state benefits that you're going to, but you can just do like a guest worker thing where you don't get any of the state benefits. You yeah, can come if there's exactly. work for you, if you want to start a yeah. business, if you're going to, but you can't really just come and, and take, and that's it. It solves the problem. And the, all the hate on Mexicans, for example, right? Because they're taking our jobs and, 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 and they're also lazy. And at people, the same time. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> and, and, and they're committing all these crimes while they're taking your jobs. I'm, I'm wondering how that's happening. Well, right? What are they doing? That. We right? can't say that. <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing this is not about Mexicans or China, this is about like technology and when way I was of living. China. <laughs> how do you how, how are you I don't know what that was, if, it, was <laughs> yeah. how were you ever going you are never going right to get any reasonable company to pay the cost to the cost of living right, at the standard of living that we're at we're at too high a standard of living for someone to work a simple job that's the real fact of it mm-hmm. technology has passed you by if I can get a machine to automate a million jobs Okay, and if I need another million, I can find someone in the world to do it for ten cents, right? So it's not no one is guilty. It's this is the no one is guilty for taking away American jobs. It's not, they're never going to come back. It's just the era that you're in. You're you're out of time. You're out of luck. Halas. You either need to have a higher level of skill, or you need to move to a country or downgrade, you know, uh, your demands. The unions, right? The unions are the biggest reason people are leaving. 
right? Companies are leaving because unions makes too many demands on companies. Like, why bother? Be careful! With this Isn't edit? New Jersey like Teamster uh, Central? Totally. Totally. Yeah, so we gotta be careful. <laughs> but you know, I want to actually take this the same the same criticisms that we have of America, our country. You know, we're, we're we can be critical of uh, of our own country. We can also point it towards the Muslim countries, mm-hmm. like the same issues that we're talking about here. Not having fair labor laws, not inviting in neighbors. Look at the Emirates, prime example. Oh, worse of a worse. worse, much worse. You Straight see up the slavery. Sla- it's and it's worse than U.S. Yeah. prisons. I mean, the 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 conditions that they have mm-hmm. those migrant workers in in the in the Emirates, and these are Muslim country, Muslim uh, mm-hmm. uh, contractors, and Muslims, and even non-Muslims coming in to work. It's yeah. worse than U.S. prisons. Yeah. Much worse. So we have a lot of human issues. It's not a. It's not with one race. It's not with one religion. It's yeah. not with one culture. We have a lot of human ills that mm-hmm. we need to deal with as a as a global community. Yeah. And this is why I find Dawa to be so hard. And there was this sort of ideal in the past that American Muslims are different, and we're going to show a great example and maybe do a tajdeed that'll come out of America. And I we're mean, better, I have, right? I have, yeah. real, I have a real problem with this, right? Because yeah. it's like. And it's become like a thing over the last like 15 years where like America defines the correct attitude of a Muslim. It's become this now, right? Yeah. Like even like we do it where it's like you'll tell like your friends and family back in the East. It's like, oh, you guys don't know. Yeah. Right. Yeah. There, there's a sort of. You don't of, work like, hard oh, enough. What? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, oh, you guys are lazy. You don't work. You, go, yeah. you guys don't even know your religion. You guys don't know anything because mm-hmm. because America, the, the way we've defined it through our American lens is far better than the way you've defined it. Yeah. Right. And it, and it turns into that, you know, and I've noticed that over the last 15 years. Well, we are the greatest work. country, right? No. Mm-hmm. That and, doesn't mean uh, we know the religion better and, than but everybody you're, else. But are we assuming that that's the, 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 that's the case? Because that's, that's, that's a claim, right? Yeah, They're saying a, cl- a lot that's of people a claim. say it's a cliche and it's a cl- yeah. and they actually believe it. We're the greatest country on the face of the yeah. earth. So no, not on the face of the earth, in, in history, in human history, right? Yeah. Yeah. Wealth, yeah. And for us as Muslims. country in human history. For, uh, for us as Muslims, I mean, what is our greatest nation? What is the greatest example for us as Medina. Muslims? Medina at the yeah. time of the prophet. Yeah. So everything we need to look back at his yeah. his society and what he built. And that's why, and the thing is that when we had that mentality, you're assuming, the assumption there is that the American will never see the Muslim world, right? So we could we could be these ideal Muslims, right? And they'll never see the rest of the... My problem in Dawah is that if, if so now that Americans are actually aware of what happens in the Muslim world, Right, and they see what's going on, and on top of that, you have ISIS and these things. You mean the realities of the, the realities, of society? Right? Yeah, it becomes very hard to do dawah because your talk is talk is good talk. It's great talk. It's a great message that you're preaching. But now let's look at the reality, and this is why many people, when someone becomes Muslim, the first thing they do is they actually have to warn them from the biggest obstacle in front of your Islam are the other Muslims, mm-hmm. right? The ver- Muslims themselves, I believe, have become, as Surah Al-Hashr tells us, the fitna. We are fitna, the ladina kafiru, right? Because we have worse examples, and everything that we've been talking about, every single thing that we've been talking about about America, it's probably a hundred times worse, not ten times worse. Well, I don't know about a hundred times. In certain aspects, I think I think one of the things that, that um, there's a, a story, Allahu alam if it's true, but it has a, it just has a, um, uh, we can look at it for, for some wisdom, but they said a Mauritanian, he went to Morocco. And Mauritanian, before the French co- uh, colonization, they were involved in a lot of tribal warfares. The tribes would attack each other, and there would be bloodshed and looting and so forth. And so this Mauritanian goes up into Morocco, and he goes to a Quran school. He sees a, the Quran teacher. He's staying there as his guest. And then it comes time for Dhuhr. Dhuhr comes and goes. The Quran teacher doesn't get up to pray. 
So he's like, okay, maybe he's got an excuse. This, that. He starts doing all this husnudhan, you know, benefit of the doubt for him. Asr comes. He's like, oh, man, this is now getting even harder. How am I? And he went yeah. ahead and prayed Dhuhr on his own. And the guy keeps teaching the kids Quran and so forth. Asr comes and goes, and then it's Maghrib. So now he has no excuse, no way to give him the benefit of the doubt. Like, you mm. lost the prayer. So he asked him, he said, you know, Sheikh, don't you pray? He said, no, actually, I don't pray. It's like, how are you teaching kids Quran and you don't pray? He said, look, just like Allah has distributed arzaq, you know, the sustenance of everybody in different places, different foods, different incomes. He said he has also distributed the types of sins that people engage in. So you guys over there in Mauritania, bloodshed's not a big issue for us over here. Leaving the prayer is a, I mean, bloodshed is a big issue for you. That's your sin. You guys all pray. But, but you, you shed blood. Yeah. We leave the prayer, but we don't have bloodshed. Where was he from? He said he's Morocco. In Morocco, uh, so uh, so you have that in, in societies. You have things about American society that yes is a hundred times better than some Muslim countries, and you have some things that are a thousand times worse. And you go to some Muslim countries, and the same thing is true. You can yeah, so, that's true. so we can't look at one society. And there's yeah. also there's a, the the scholars have said that there are certain sins. That if they become apparent in the Muslim community, they're actually worse. They beca- they have a a more hideous manifestation than if they were became apparent in a in a like what in a non-Muslim. They don't mention it specifically, mm. but you can look at it like. Uh, I mean, I just think like when look at two countries, Syria and Libya. Once uh. there was anarchy, do you do you know how much rape occurred in those two countries? Wow. And we're talking about Muslim men raping Muslim women. There was one sister, like I mentioned earlier, we're part of a, 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 pro, a care program for refugees um, sponsored by the uh, Ella Lucy Foundation in, in California. Check out their website. They do a lot of work. So we went to Jordan a few times, and one of the, the, the cases was a lady who, she's trying to get out of Syria. I mean, some members of our team met with this lady, trying to get out of Syria. The taxi cab driver takes her to a remote, a remote uh, location, rapes her, beats her up, leaves her for dead. She, when she finally comes home, then her husband can't deal with the shame of this, you know, crime, divorces her and leaves her. And now she's a refugee in Jordan with two kids, this history, this trauma. And then the landlord in the building is, is telling her in Jordan, oh, you can't pay rent. Well, you know, there's other ways Um, you can pay the rent. Okay. Now, my question is this. You know, I love my country. Like one person he, at the Customs and Immigration, he was asking me about something. I said, listen, I don't want to see lack of security anywhere. I want to see security in every single place on the earth. I want to see safety and security in my nation of America, in my home mm. country of Jordan. I don't want to see anything d- d- disturb that. Um, and uh, lost my train of thought. Um, oh, so we have a lot of things that, that protect our security. And I'm a strong supporter of the Second Amendment. You know, I know a lot of Muslims get a little bit like skittish around yeah. the Second Amendment. I'm like, man, if I could, you know, if I was, I would, I would consider moving to an open carry state yeah. to exercise my Second Amendment rights. In California, we got the strictest law, so I'm fully support of the the, the lobbyists, uh, you know, that that that, that support the the NRA okay. and um, and you know and and, and and gun rights and so forth. Um, but because that's a part of like keeping the security in this country. Now, my question is. We saw the, the the destabilization of two Muslim countries, Libya and Syria, and immediately Muslim men start raping Muslim women. And I wonder, I don't think, I personally don't think that that would happen here in America. I may be wrong, but my theory is I don't think it would, I don't think it would go to, you know, that ramp. I mean, I know in the Katrina, there was the cases of like the rape in the, in the stadium and all mm-hmm. that stuff, but I just don't think that it would happen. It would occur here. 
That's just a feeling, you know, conjecture. She, in the Katrina, uh, most of those were like by, made up reports or fake. They reports. were made there up. Were some, but it's very. It was. It was nowhere near what they were reporting in Katrina. Yeah. So that's a case so study of just so, showing like. So the, that's that's an example of of how are we supposed to do? How is a person to do dawah if your own ummah is not walk walking the walk? And when we talk, we were talking about prisons. Now look what happens when the CIA want to use a black site. Where do they go? Oh, they go to our Muslim countries. Yeah. So you know what Muslim, they're doing in Egypt to, to even scholars? Stripping them down. They're doing Guantanamo yeah. stuff. And that's that, in a Muslim prison. Yeah. For fun. They do this for fun. The, the soldiers, yeah, they take a game out of this. And you have, so you have a non-believing country brings a Muslim person to a Muslim country to be tortured by another Muslim, right? And we are supposed to the, yeah, be the example on the earth, right? We're not walking the walk which is making it, I always think twice. And the, uh, that's why the irony is really, truly, is Allah who guides. When I think of someone who's just been exposed to the news, just a little bit, right? A little bit of TV, and yet they, en- they still enter Islam, despite all that they have heard. It just to, to me, that's the biggest sign that Allah guides and no one else can guide. And, and that's a sign of a person who's, who's searching for the truth. Yeah. Like for us, our search is for truth. <clears throat> uh, one of the poets said mm-hmm. we accept truth even if it's, from, if it's from an ignorant person and we refuse falsehood even if it's from a scholar mm-hmm. so when we look around we don't look for oh the best government on the country we, uh, the best government in the world the best country the best people the best race the best this the best that the best pol- political party to me it's hilarious that people think that there's only two ways democratic or republican yeah. This is a concept. This is a democrat. This is a democratic nation. We're not a two-party nation. Yeah. And um, uh, but for people to 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 reduce, to limit it, to limit it to like, oh, there's you know the Republicans got every. There are know, more genders than political parties. There's things with the. There's <laughs> no, things right. that I. I always <laughs> <back> there. <laughs> I there's uh, I mean, there's things that I, I as Muslims. Do we agree more on, on certain issues, conservative issues? We agree more with the conservatives and the Republicans oh, yeah. on fal- family values, yeah. gay marriage, yeah. you know, abortion, a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And then there's issues we agree with the liber- liberals. So we're not we're not yeah. stuck with one party. We're we like, need look, to make like we're going to party. a purple party yeah, mixed red and oh, blue. Red and blue. Yeah. Why purple? Or, or we could all be because red and blue when you libertarians. <laughs> yeah. In one sense, yeah, like leave the rest of the world alone. But the other sense, they're like the libertarians are like, as long as they're two consenting adults, you know. Yeah. So, which is uh, I don't want to bring up that other subject. <laughs> so, because you know what that is going to lead into Wayne, right? What is two consenting adults when that's the only more ethic that you have regarding regarding sex? You have to admit incest. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Nambla. Yeah. What is it called? National well, Association for no, Man Boy really. Love. Yeah. yeah. Well, those they're talking Man about children. Love. Yeah, the yeah. Nambla is. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, no, but like incense, like two brothers, uh, a brother and sister, mm-hmm. or a father. You have to, yeah. you have yeah. to admit, yeah. Yeah. You, have, you have to admit that well, it's within the ethics of that code. You know, Shishan, to, speaking to what you're saying, you know, and it's this is above my pay grade, as they say. Um, but the call should, at least, what was effective for me, it was calling to Allah. Like none of mm. the people that were doing dawah to me before I became Muslim were saying. Islam is the greatest religion because look at all these Muslim countries, right? Yeah. Like that, that was even off the table. It was even like, don't even look at us, the people in front of you. Yeah. Just look at what you for, you have what one Lord, is. right? Yeah. Allah is one. And that's the, the initial dawah. Mm-hmm. And as long as you get the people to accept Allah's oneness, and then the rest has to follow yeah. because it's just, it's just a, a submission yeah. to that. And when you actually understand the oneness of Allah, you actually realize that there is only one religion that actually worships 
God properly, right? Mm-hmm. And understands God properly. Right. That he's not divided with himself, with which is a trinity, right? That he doesn't enter into a man, a human, right? Doesn't mm-hmm. enter doesn't need to enter into a human, right? Um, but don't you know. all rivers lead to the sea and <laughs> one lamp, many and, and, lights? And everything, now, all discussions with me lead back to perennialism. <laughs> <laughs> it's the perennial topic. Well, I believe now. You know what you should do in your garden? Yeah. Just plant a bunch oh, of perennials. Bunch of perennials. <laughs> the only perennial I like is a flower. <laughs> You should yeah. actually make that your profile picture. Plant yeah. a bunch of perennials in your yeah, garden. Yeah, this is the only way it's going to be. Then put it up. It'll be a nice They all came joke. from one seed. <laughs> which is, which is, you know, perennialism will always be linked back to people with globalist agendas mm-hmm. that want to break down all barriers possible, right? And the major barrier, you're not going to eliminate religions. But what can you eliminate is the exclusivism of every religion, right? So that's what perennialism is probably being used for or being peddled for. Uh, for that reason, because so, you can't you can't actually believe that two opposite things are true. This so is wh- not even po- this is this is not only not in Islam. It's not even in logic. It's an anarchist. It's it's anarchy of meaning, anarchy of language. That you're telling me two opposing theologies can be are, true at the same can time. be true at the same time. Yeah. And then you're saying no. One guy told me, well, it's like the Medhabs, right? You have two <laughs> different four different fix, no. right? I'm like, okay. There. No, brother. You need to go back to kindergarten. You know, <laughs> and, uh, learn well, some yeah. ki- logic. There's actually, yeah, there's something called, uh, there's something called equivocal and there's something called unequivocal statements, right? A statement that can be understood two ways and a statement that can only be understood one way, right? This is obviously basic piece of logic that someone missed. So yeah. as, well, we, as we've been talking for, for 30, 40 minutes, I've been thinking, you know, what do I title this episode? Because now we've just touched on everything. Sheikh Rami drums by. Yeah. Guns, alcohol, marijuana, gender, and perennialism. Next alcohol. Make America great again. That could work. No, no. As in the Maliki, in the Maliki tradition, podcast, Jamia. Right, like Bab Jamma, Bab Jamma, a chapter with every all miscellaneous subjects. Everything you need to know. Yeah. It's like a toolkit. Exactly. So oh, there's uh, only one thing we haven't touched upon, what's that? which is Moin's new pet, the singularity. The singularity, <laughs> again. So, you, oh, so Sheikh Rami, do you know about the singularity? You have no. family in Silicon Valley. You mentioned that, right? Yeah. 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 Okay. So they'll so, they'll, so, they'll, so, they'll fill you in. So okay. they'll, they'll, I'll probably just Google it. Like. What's your family? How many f- uncles you have out in America? Oh no, uncles! In, well, on my mom's side, I have uh, uncles, but they're in uh, in the south, Missouri. Uh, not Missouri, not Missouri. Now I'm gonna start getting angry. You <laughs> Mississippi. Know, like, <laughs> Mississippi, and you gotta drop. If you're really from Mississippi, you drop two S's. Mississippi, Mississippi. Yeah, yeah. Well, Mississippi, Louisiana, Texas, okay. uh, Alabama, um, and so. Uh, so none in Silicon Valley. Uh, my mom and my siblings in Silicon Valley. Okay, because yeah. Moyne was explaining the singularity, which actually Moyne, give me a shot at explaining it, since I'm like his uh, pupil. In the singularity, <laughs> which is basically, uh, basically, uh, uh, we get so intertwined with technology. The ideas and in the the um, given in this is that there's no ruh, right? There's no ruh. The given, there's no soul, and we don't actually understand the way death occurs. The given in this is that we become so intertwined with uh, technology that eventually we're able to transfer consciousness into technology. Into oh, soft. Sounds like uh, what is it? There's that movie right now, uh, or series, or whatever. Black Mirror. 
Hmm? Black Mirror? I mean, There's a number of ones, like the, the 100, like, where it's like a futuristic movie, and they're talking about how they can upload your memories into a well, this is, Matrix so, so type thing. Yeah, All yeah. those ideas so come yeah, from yeah. this concept. Is that, is, did yeah. I get it right, basically? It's close. So basically, yeah. people believe that you know eventually your memories will be uploaded, and your sub your consciousness, your consciousness will live within the cloud and it's hey the gel's on the way because if they're yeah. talking i mean if it's a if they can figure out a way who knows the that they're coming the so gel's coming and he's and got you know one thing anyway, speaking right? i know a lot of the young viewers out there especially they love uh to hear if we say the gels you should do one on the gel and then another right one now. on gin like <laughs> i got a lot of gin stories like so we could we could do that right now just because we just we just do anything no no when we do the gin stories we got to turn off the lights Wait, in, uh, so are these related any, to Mauritania? Oh yeah, yeah, do you real. Have any we'll crazy get. Gin stories oh yeah, Mauritania? lots of, but not on this session. You got to tune in for the next <laughs> session. Yeah, we'll get him on. We'll get him on the phone for that one. We're gonna What's get, that? We to get you on the phone then. Uh, no, I no, like I like being in front of this. You know, you need to come this up. makes me feel like you know, as a kid when I was in middle school. This is just like now I'm sharing. It sounds like a you know support group processing group. You know, but when I was in middle school, you know what my dream was to be on Saturday Night Live. Really? <laughs> and then later on, you know, when I read that Imam Malik actually, as a child, he wanted to be an entertainer. Yeah. He wanted to be a singer. I was like, oh, you know, Man, at least, you know. You're the chosen one too. <laughs> chosen one, yeah. <laughs> right? uh, so, um, but, uh, but, you know, it, the, 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 a lot of the hadith about the Dajjal, uh, speaking about the Dajjal is that he will know everything about everybody's house. And in those so, times, uh, you might think, okay, it's some sort of magical or mystical or spiritual uh method of doing that now we know very easily i mean you got your yeah. phone it can it can monitor how many steps you're taking yeah. it can monitor where you are how much time you spend mm -hmm. in this location it's got a camera it's got a phone all they need to do now is just mine that data and figure mm -hmm. out a way to really extract about every single person using algorithms yeah. and computer systems and all of that stuff so who's to say that the dajjal is is wrapped up in a lot of what we're talking yeah. about mm -hmm. and when i hear about the you know he has the jassasa which is the hairy beast. Mm -hmm. You ever see what a server looks like with all those wires coming out of it? Subhanallah. Subhanallah. Looks like a hairy which, beast. Which, wow. and which, which doesn't... Which doesn't... Yeah, I copyrighted that idea. <laughs> so anybody else that's going to write a story or something, you better, you know... You can have free use of that idea, <laughs> but just cite me. So which maybe like Skynet is the job. No, wait, it, which doesn't negate that. No, the Jal is a human, uses. is a, is a person. Huh. And in one hadith, he's, he's actually, he's on an island stuck somewhere. Right. So what's to say that his if he was a person he's either frozen in ice and they're going to bring him back like they bring the mooly mammoths back with the with the the DNA yeah, when I see that, that in National Geographic and I like oh they're they're trying to bring woolly mammoths back to life I'm like mm -hmm. wow that looks like a Jassasa, you know hairy mm -hmm. beast um, but what <laughs> if they come to that body and they're able to suck up the jail's memories and put it into a computer system and oh, you know. Well, it, it doesn't deny as well that the Dajjal uses black magic and jinns and black magic. They're, both, they're not mutually exclusive. Right, he could right? be, yeah. It's not yeah. mutually exclusive. Because recently what I've, came, what I've come across okay, is the popularization of heavily, heavy occult magic through David Blaine and his celebrity show. Right. But he's if just like a farce. He's not a farce, bro. you got to look at his stuff. I guarantee you 100%. That this man is I love in the it surety in your, the in your life. And it's like 110 percent. You need to be a politician. I guarantee you, my fellow Americans, 110 yeah. percent. Look, look up David. Alex knows this stuff. I mean, I've seen this. But this is his car tricks. He is not a farce. He is told, bro. The guy's his car tricks. <laughs> his car tricks. Yeah. That's just he has like sleight of hand. It's not yeah. that. Look, it's mostly sleight of hand. Have you seen him yeah, you cough could, up you, frogs? 
I have. Have you seen him put a hanger down in his stomach he, and pull out rings? You can, he shows you how to do it. There's like you can go on his he, website. He doesn't. He doesn't. He doesn't. You can pay. For he shows you. Tricks. He shows you how to do the little the silly tricks that are sleight of hand. How do you tell me how you cough up frogs? I don't. And tell me why this guy has one eye like tattooed on his on the palm of his hand. I mean, right? I don't doubt. So that maybe he's are, the Dijal. He's definitely in it with the occult. <laughs> And here, this is the thing. Black black magic has been laughed at as an occult thing. That mm-hmm. it, it, in the same way that intellectuals in academia, they'll laugh at the idea of the devil. Does that mean the devil doesn't exist? The whole pop culture in America, they laugh at anyone who what who who believes that the occult is something that exists, right? Does that mean it doesn't exist? Like sh- Shaitan, he doesn't have his ibadat that that he has people doing. He doesn't have his hierarchy. He doesn't have people doing uh, you know giving wahi or giving. We know. Shayateen, you He doesn't have his his shayateen and his forces giving wahi to humans, right? Well, uh, Who have a same dawah mission that we have, right? Yeah, I mean, and even if the David Blaine stuff is all explainable <clears throat> and it is all sleight of hand and it's all trickery and it's all planted, it's still for the majority of the people, it's kind of normalizing oh, yeah, all of this stuff, right? Magic. So it's normalizing, yeah. I mean, and I, and it's getting kids into it. I'm telling you, yeah, look but, at the comment section. Under these things, uh, and we go deep into the comment section, you'll see kids saying, "Wait, hey, where can we use this? How can we learn how to do this stuff?" Right? It's getting there was an article in Time magazine. Uh, I can't remember. My, I should I should have cut it out. This was a couple years ago, but it was talking about one author, and he got into the occult, and he was talking about how he didn't like his stepmom, and he had a book that was like it was a, a call for death, uh-huh. and he used it. And she died like within a very short time of him what? using it. Yeah. This was in Time Magazine. They're mentioning it. And there was a recent article, too, about uh, uh, a psychiatrist who, who attends um, exorcists, exorcisms. Mm-hmm. And he was t- he was. And as a as a researcher and a clinician, he was talking about some of the stuff. He said, this can't be made up. How I can think they I go? read that? Yeah. That, yeah. I think so I there that. is stuff on the rape. Like, I think yeah. it's just humanity has become so. um so so far removed yeah. from from a connection to the spiritual world, yeah. you know. Now we're so you know scientific, empirical data, well, and you know. And well, that's the West. Because and so you now we India, move to, You go to India, and that's that's as normal as having an internet has an internet connection. Having a connection with a jin is just like having a cell phone. And, and that's why right. it's hear very a lot popular. More of these so you think types. Verizon and Sprint are going to try to like hook up with the gym? <laughs> Maybe they've already done. So, Listen, you know, man, I have a methodology, right? Mm. That which gets laughed at by humans probably has a reality deeper than we imagine. Mm. Just like in Men in Black, like what is in Men in Black? Like the real news is in these tabloids that we laugh at, right? That's what the movie Men in Black is about. Oh, so like, like the, the real the, news, the National Enquirer. That's well, I'm right. not saying that. No, no, but, but there's that's in the there, pl- that's in, the, in the plot. Yeah, in the plot of they Men hide in the Black, real news. The, the real the news, part, yeah. right, is actually in plain sight and is laughed at. Like academics will laugh at, you know, Satan. You know, well, you actually can't believe that there's a force you know, like that. Scalia, before his death, he did an interview with I think it was New York Magazine, and justices don't do a lot of interviews. So he gave he sat and he did this interview. It's like a big deal. And then you read the the article they produced, and like half of it was just mocking him mm-hmm. on one question. They were like, "Do you really believe in the devil?" Yeah. And he said, "Yeah, of course, because he was Catholic." Yeah. And like half the article yeah, is just mock mocking him because he believes yeah. that, sh- that, that and that's why exists. that's why when when someone says that's why whenever whatever all people laugh at, and look at who's all people we're not, we're talking about if you look at the awliya and the ulama they'll tell you the jinn is highly used by shaitan to lead humans astray and humans are garnering this and finding ways to lead people astray through this, 
right? So if you look at our people, forget what the Western culture laughs at, right? Why should we care about what they think, right? Let's look at what our own people say and our own ulama are telling us. You got to be careful. Recite an-nas, al-falaq an-nas because there are forces out there, right? One of the things that we're, we're sort of blindsided by is by all this technology, we think that we sort of become immune because Western culture doesn't you know, recognize and believe in these things. But yeah. you we're not. I'm telling you, there are forces, especially in Hollywood and all these things, yeah. utilizing all these things where people are listening to music and, and almost being brainwashed, right? Mm-hmm. Just through the trance beats that are used. So what we got to do is connect with those good gym. Like the good gen army. We, well, we're working we're our out connection there, with, with Malaika. Well, Malaika and right? the gen. I mean, it's like you need like multiple, like but, you need the Navy SEALs, you need the Army, you need by the, the, way, the, by the reserves, the way, you know. So we need like angelic. Plus, the angels won't be involved in battle after Bedr. You're gonna, so like they're, you're, they can, you know, they, yeah. they can't actually be involved. But the jinn can. You're, and you're, they have technology that's like amazing, right? They have, I have stories too. That'll be for the next show. You're going to jinn talk with gotta, Rami and Sue. You got to drop one of these stories now. It's called the jinn sword. So, so, so what is this jinn sword? Tell me, tell me this. I want to hear this story. Okay, so before I went to Mauritania, I heard a lot of stories about the jinns and you know and then and they have they're going to the madrasas and they're actually you know there's jinn students because there's muslim jinn and there's actually an interesting story it's mentioned in the uh, uh some of the copies of jalalain the tafsir of jalalain in the um there's uh, some editions that have a asbab al-nuzul like the reasons of revelation uh, in the footnotes and in the story of um uh one of the last surahs that talks about uh, the people of thamud so the people of thamud they carved their houses out of the the the, the mountains. So he mentions this, one of the, the tabi'in mentioned, he went into the one of the diyar of Thamud and he saw a man in the corner of one of the diyar praying. And he not, he just thought to himself, my, that's an amazing cloak that he's wearing. Hmm. And after the man finished his salah to whatever he was, he was praying, he turned around and he said, you're amazed by the, the, the fineness or the glamour of my cloak. He said, what decays cloth and what what decays clothing are sins. Essentially, like, if you don't sin, your clothes won't be decayed. He said, in this cloak, I met Musa and I believed in him. This is in the time of the Tabirin. He said, and in this cloak, I met Isa and I believed in him. And in this cloak, I met the Prophet Muhammad sallallahu alaihi wasallam, and I believed in him. And I am from the jinn that Allah said about them. He was one of those. He was one of those jinn. One of the believing jinn. And so it is, man. It's like, man, I want to meet him. So I asked uh, one of the shiuch when I got to Mauritania. I was always out. We're looking for jinn. And I got a lot of jinn stories, mashallah. I'm like, I got a book. I found a book on jinn by Imam Siyuti. It's like amazing. What's the title of that book? Uh, I'll keep that that one. one. Yeah. I'll send you the PDF. Um, We'll share that on the podcast. Yeah. yeah. That's like. (laughs) So. So. When I was in Mauritania, I was yeah, I was intrigued by jinn because I heard that oh, there's jinn that sometimes go to Muslim because they're uh, in the come. desert too. Right? They love yeah, they're in the they're desert in the, the mountains. So I asked one of the the, the people who spent a lot of time with Murabat al-Hajj. He spent almost now over forty years living and studying with him and being companion with him. So I said, did Murabat ever have a jinn student? And the reason why I asked him this is because I had heard a story from one of the other Mauritanians that like you were talking about how how they use it as a cell phone connection. Well, the Mauritanians used to go from, from Mauritania, there's a lot of livestock there, and they would drive the livestock into Senegal. 
And once they go to Senegal, they'll sell there because Senegal has more agriculture. They don't have as much livestock. So it's a, it's a trade-off. But it, the whole trip would take a few months. And back in the 40s and the 50s and 60s, there were no phone lines. I mean, even up until we were there, there was just uh, there was very few landlines. So they would go to this person who had a gin, and they would pay him some money, and the gin would go back into the deserts and get information about their family and come back and tell them, these Mauritanians, okay, yeah, so-and-so had a kid, so-and-so got sick, so-and-so got better, so-and-so died, whatever. And somebody came from one of the villages, and he uh, he said, I need uh, news from my family. So he sent his gin off, and then the guy said, he said, uh, there's a there's an old man in that village preventing my gin from coming in. Allah. So wow. that was like one of the many wow. stories that I was intrigued. So I asked one of the students, I said, did Murabat al-Hajj ever have any jinn students? He said, I don't know. He said, but you know, the other person, this other person that was also in the school for about 45 years, he said his grandfather had a school and he used to teach two jinn students. Hmm. And one night in a dream, the, the sheikh saw two shayateen, two devils coming to kill him. Hmm. And his students show up in the dream and with a sword, they kill those two devils. When he wakes up in the morning, he saw the sword. Subhanallah. And this person telling me the story, he said he saw the sword himself. It's been passed down from generations. He said it never gets rusty and it never gets dull. Ajeev. Subhanallah. And so I immediately I was like, do you think they would sell it to me? <laughs> he said, Rami, stay away from the gin stuff. <laughs> which is... Uh, which is uh, so you went looking for gin? Not looking for him, but just, just investigative journalists. Well, think say, about it. You know, think about it. If you're in Mauritania, sort of gin hunter. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're in Mauritania, you're not watching Netflix at night to relax. You're maybe telling gin stories, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Like what? That's like how you. Yeah. That's a pastime. Which I don't want people to get hung up on gin. That's not the point. But my, the point is that when Western when Western culture laughs at something it doesn't mean they're always right about it right mm. whenever humans in general put someone a laugh at something it doesn't mean we're always right in fact most times humans are wrong about things i, right? I saw an excerpt uh from uh, sheikh hamza talk a couple of years ago i think he was in istanbul where he mentions that a lot of the people that were in 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 uh in advancing technology in this country uh in the last century were like occultists yeah. Like members of the Church of Satan and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Like the guy and so, yeah, do you think, I mean, if the jinn, if this jinn guy has this, if the jinn has the sword that never gets dull, never gets rusted, it might be some metal from like another planet. And maybe they got some like intergalactic travels. I, to one of the shuikh, I described an alien, yeah. right? You know, the big, not the greys, you know, the whatever, the, the big headed ones with the eyeballs and stuff. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So I described the, it to him. And the V-stripe. <laughs> I don't know about the V-stripe, but the all of the details. And the shuikh was like, I'm the jinn, how the jinn. Because look, the jinn used to in, do intergalactic travel. Uh, they used to get up to like the seventh heaven. Subhanallah. So they have, and they're living, breathing creatures like us. They have some oh, you're sort you're telling of him you, that you described to him what was... Uh, an alien. The description of, of an alien. Uh, what, Area 51? Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Yeah. Yeah, because all of Eric, that... Eric, not Eric. What's Eric. that one, the guy? Uh, that one? <laughs> Paul? <laughs> you know Paul? Yeah, yeah, yeah. My kids have a doll that looks like one of those, and they've named him Eric. Interesting. They named a little. <laughs> so the so That's the history of that. I'll, I'll put it around the corner. You know, the scariest <laughs> thing of an alien is like you don't see the full thing. Like you're you know you're at a desk. You're like this corner right over here, and he just like peers his head up, and then when you turn around, he jumps. That was scary. That was very scary. <laughs> so when I would look, if pranks were halal, oh man. <laughs> when I had to drive, from, I got a lot uh, of ideas, but it's it's halal. You can't scare people. <laughs> when I had to work from in New York late and go back to New Haven, two and a half hour drive or two hours fifteen minutes, I always was fall asleep in the wheel. I had to get some books on tape. So one of the things I got was the history of Area 51. And the history of all this image that you have of the, the alien with the triangular face yeah. and the big black eyes, right? That image 
was basically all roots back the transmission of the like the riwayah mm-hmm. of that all goes back to one person ahad so it's khabar ahad it's, ahad. it's not mutawatir right? not mutawatir <laughs> it's become mutawatir but really its root is one person who uh, he was in that area in new mexico like a worker okay and that's how, what how he described what he thought he saw right because that they were trying to it, it, area 51 had you to mean do with at the, the crash site before they at, picked it up yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Right. so so it all goes back to that one guy's description right and they wrote him off as like some crazy guy and the whole area 51 was supposed to be developing certain sciences to combat the ussr yeah. and it became engulfed in this myth because of this guy and his narration and, and he's then, out in the desert the middle of a yeah i know one guy who uh, was in the middle of a forest so you're telling California. us that this sheikh in mauritania is telling you this is the shape of certain jinns. he said the way i described it is like that's a jinn um, i know one person he his his path to islam was through a jinn a good jinn a good jinn yeah he, he gave him he he, he called him to tawhid Wow. And he said his name was Trut. What was his name? Trut. He's Trut? An Amer- is he T-R-U-T. American gin or something? American gin, yeah. This is like in the hills of Santa Cruz. <laughs> oh, like a, like a hillbilly gin. Not a hillbilly gin, like a hippie gin. So, <laughs> I mean, he's in Santa well, Cruz. So. This isn't a joking matter either. But so, I, but, but the, he told him, he said, he called him to Tawheed and got him to like believe there's only one God. He said, but this is only half of the message. You have to continue your journey. That's why they call uh, me Trut. I don't have the full truth. The Ajeeb. H is not in my name. Subhanallah. Yo, that's wild. Subhanallah. <laughs> and then he eventually found Muhammad So the jinn taught him La ilaha illallah. And now he needs to go. That's yeah. Subhanallah. Yeah. And there's a. Uh, Our audience is like. No, yeah. well, well. There's a mountain in the, in, the, in, the, in the Bay Area called Mount Diablo. And you know why they call it Mount Diablo? The devil. Because the, the devil mountain. When the, the, uh, the, the Spanish conquistadors were coming into California and they were killing the Native Americans. In one battle up on this this area in Mount Diablo, they always saw this giant figure with a black panther aiding the Native Americans against Ajay. the conquistadors. So that's why they call it Diablo. Ajay. So they got a good jinn helping yeah. them out. So I'm talking about like, you need that giant jinn with his black panther and mm-hmm. the jinn sword guy and the abid with his cloak. <laughs> and then, man, hey, you, you can bring us, throw the Navy and seals at the, you know. <laughs> when you, what you said about, you know, now we have to have the good jinn on our side. This is actually just more and like we don't have to do anything. We'll just be peace loving, yeah. tax paying, you know, <laughs> you know. Americans, we're just rooting for the gin. Like some people are rooting for raiders, and you know, I'm rooting for the gin. <laughs> well, this is this this uh, just for people's information. Just as an interesting little side note here, there's no practical thing to do about this. But I asked a man, how yeah, there's no practical application yeah, of the gin army. Try you know, this yeah. yeah, it's one a.m., one twenty. We, I just had a cup of Dunkin' Donuts coffee, and you know, this is just like the ramblings of a. And so this, I asked someone, how do these people who cure gin, and we know in 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 India there are legitimate gin problems and gin doctors, like legitimate gin doctors. I asked him, how do they work? How does this work? Right, the man looks like he's doing nothing. Right. And then people are cured, okay? And he said, uh, he, fi- he finally said to me, the guy said to me, and this is his uncle is one of these gin doctors, like a legitimate gin doctor. He's Adam. There's no uh, funny business going on. And he said, it's with the employment of the Muslim jinn, right? With the em- it's the employment of Muslim jinn who are doing this out of sadaqah, a type of jihad for them, that they go and they're a big group. And this is, don't even laugh at this. But he said the jinn follow the languages. They have their own languages. But they also follow the languages of humans and the religion of humans up to the, the madhahib of humans. So we got Maliki jinn out there? There's probably a lot. Probably oh, the majority. Right? Now, <laughs> this is why I'm telling you don't laugh at this. Because he said, 
so he said, my uncle, there, he's in connection with a troop of jinn who are very good, righteous people who are helping him get rid of the evil jinn. Right, and that's like a platform Hollywood movie. Well, we can make like a dope movie. So I said what? Thing. So I said like like better than the movie Jin that came out, right? That, oh, that was horrible. The trailer was so good, but the movie just, was horrible. I just remember the trailer. Oh, the trailer, the trailer was, was so good. The was trailer tra- was crazy though. It was like all this stuff flying around <laughs> at the end of it. He was just like, the <laughs> and then he so, he like, told me they should have come to us, man. We would have given more material, like <laughs> I know. the Jin sword I know. and the troop, and then this, and you know. Well, he told me that see that Jin sword. One. like that could, yeah. that that could easily great. be a movie he told <laughs> me that these were tabliri jinn oh jinn. wow 40 days <laughs> oh man for the trauma oh, tabliri jinn <laughs> from the tabliri jamaa okay oh man that's who they joined that's how they worship allah by going around hey man whatever and therefore you know. they're very well aware of the whole world because they they're traveling. always on feasibility they're, they're i bet they Fisabila. go to other planets and they're like, who yeah. wants to go to Neptune for Khuruj? Their Khuruj is like, they're knocking yeah. like, we haven't seen you in the masjid in a week. <laughs> so this is so this is basically. They knock on your door, you open the door, and there's nobody there. <laughs> so could they establish like a masjid on another planet? Actually, I talked to one of the Mauritanian shiuch. He saw a jinn masjid. Oh, another planet. Yeah. No, he was talking about like here what on is Earth. It, what, did it, what was it like? Uh, just it was in a tree. He said there's certain trees they like and there's certain trees they don't like. So they're affected by, I mean, just even us as humans, right? There's certain plants we don't like, poison ivy. So they're, they're creatures just like us. They yeah. eat, they breathe, they, they have uh, But they kids. live. I have a friend that they was live. proposed to by a gym. Wait, what? That's for another session. I'm not letting that story out. Yeah, were, you can't bring were. that up right no, now no, because the it. questions are going to be endless. You can't. The whole audience yeah. is going to come forward and try to grab. How long these have we been going? Those people are people yeah, still listening, bro. Some of they the will people be. want well, three-hour podcast. People tuned off probably when they got bored at 30 minutes, and then as soon as we brought up this gin <laughs> stuff, they were like, "Hold on." Yeah, this is going to go around. Put that in the description, by the way. This is going to be the best podcast. I'm telling you. Well, here's 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 a little comment. People say, oh, well, you guys are crazy. Well, sometimes Muslims have their own version of entertainment, right? So this is our entertainment. But it's right? also real. It's also real. Too. Well, <laughs> as the Prophet said, we don't speak except haq. So. Yeah. Imam I, Malik was asked about marrying a jinn. He gave a fatwa on it. He gave a fatwa What's on it. What's the ruling? It's disliked, but not, permissible. Not prohibited. It's not prohibited. How about is zina with really? a jinn zina? Yes. Yeah. It is zina. It's, it's zina, yeah. So how would you know it's a jinn? Um, for the people that see him, you know it's a you know it's a jinn. When, yeah, yeah. when you see a jinn, and it looks like a jinn, right? And and here's the thing: there was a brother who. I mean, came. haven't you seen Ghostbusters? You <laughs> should call them Jinn Busters. I tell my kids, you know, if there's something strange in your neighborhood, who are you gonna call? <laughs> jinn Busters. Yeah. What were you saying, Alex? Oh, I was gonna say that there is actually a practical application for the story that you just told, right? Yeah. So when you have these these parents who are like insisting that you become a doctor, right? But really, you want to study item. So what you want to study what now? You want to study religion. You mm-hmm. want to study knowledge, right? What do you do? You go, fine, I'll be a, a doctor. I'm going to specialize in this area of the dean, yeah. just being a jinn doctor. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, there, there are, in, in, I'm telling you, in certain parts of Pakistan, it's a legitimate profession. But right. for the majority of them, they're charlatans. Yeah, probably. Here's the thing. become a charlatan in India. <clears throat> I, I, I actually don't. I never get involved in the subject because it's one of those like black holes that you enter into it. There's no practical application, so I just rendered it as a form of, you know, uh, entertainment. You mean a specialty like doctor? You know, like. <laughs> so what's your specialty? Oh. Uh, yeah, well, he gave me a card. One guy. Subterranean gin. I don't deal with the intergalactic gin, but <laughs> subterranean <laughs> so gin are my specialty. A guy, a guy in Queens. A guy in Queens. He gave me his card. In Jamaica. Oh, he's right. in. He's in the U.S. He's in the U.S. He gave me his yeah. card. I looked at the card. 
and he had like certifications, right? Oh, what? Like, certifications? It was like an official card. I'm hey, can Safina Society do like a, uh, an intensive? <laughs> it was an official card. Right? <laughs> oh, you you know how we have a lot of problem attracting the youth to the massage? Yeah. Oh, if you talk about like you know how to tame a gin, you know the gin whisperer. You just make a whole series. <laughs> and then you get your jaza at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And one one guy was in uh, became Muslim. He was in jail. He hadn't smoked anything for a long time. And this man, he became Muslim. He's in our community. He didn't um, know many rules of Islam. So he was he would usually do the adhan uh, in the bathroom, not like on the toilet, but in the bathroom, he would call the adhan because it would echo, right? And he would love to hear the echo. So he would call the adhan in the bathroom. We know the jinn, they reside where there's filth and najasa. So one day he said, I got a little weak and someone gave me you know, uh, like a, a cigarette, but it was there's something else in it mixed, whatever it was mixed in. And he said, I hadn't smoked anything for a long time, so my mind wasn't really used to it. So I smoked and then I got a little dizzy. He said, But I swear, right, there were little creatures in the toilet, in the bathroom, who were laughing at me when I was getting dizzy and wobbly, laughing at me. And he said, Ah, that's what you get for harming us with your event. Right for harming us because we know dhikrullah harms the jinn, right? Okay. And the the jinn live in the bathroom, right? Now this is a guy he did not know that you can't call the adhan or dhikrullah in the bathroom. Do you think he knew that jinn reside in the bathroom and get, mm. and get harmed by dhikr? Yeah. Right. So to me, that was a person who didn't know anything who confirmed something that we already knew. Yeah. You know, and you know, people might say, well, there might have you know somebody scientist or academic type will say, well, maybe there was something in that cigarette, and maybe it was. Yeah. But some, but the, if the jinn reside on the unseen plane, right, on a different dimension, yeah. then maybe it is you need through a alcohol a different consciousness. So sometimes are they hallucinations? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. But is it able to allow you to see into yeah. another you know uh, another you know, another another dimension? dimension? Really? Um, like 3D glasses. Exactly. And, and, yeah, and yeah. I believe, I believe too that uh, the gods of India, the pagan gods of India, are different forms of jinns. Yeah. yeah. You know. Well, the, uh, there a, was uh, two doctors that were talking about. Uh, <laughs> that's not politically. That's not politically correct. correct. That's my belief. Offensive you know? to people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, that's my I mean, favorite word. Idolatry is not in, correct in reality. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's true. There were uh, there were two physicians. A person I know that uh, overheard this conversation. It was in a psychiatric unit. And uh, the two physicians, a psychiatrist, were saying, isn't it interesting how many cases of these people, you know, they get them on the 5150, three-day hold and so forth. Um, and he said, how many of these people take their clothes off and run around bodies of water? Hmm. What? It's like a, they notice a commonality from the people that go crazy mm -hmm. and they take their clothes off and they run around bodies Taking of water. Taking the clothes off is very common, yeah. Well, that's one of the things that shaitan does. He gets people to take their naked, clothes off. Yeah, that's how he, got, he used to have people uh, do tawaf, right? Mm -hmm. So he gets people to take their clothes off. The other thing is they reside in the water. Mm, like the Iblis, Yeah, there's a hadith. Uh, Iblis his throne is, is on his water. Throne on the water oh, and he that. sends out his demons from, from the, water. the water. That's where they so come out from. So they're, they're coming from the, the so water. Yeah, well, we yeah. we one time I don't know Wayne, were you with us one time? I was there. When I want to tell the story, but I wasn't. Sure <laughs> want to tell. A the family story. had uh, a woman had called me and said that because uh, we had this hotline, right? A uh, gin hotline. We had no. Uh, so we so we, <laughs> we went to eight, like this. So we had seventy-three to eight hundred seven MBIC was our hotline, right? Uh, which was connected to my old phone. It's not connected. One eight hundred. Gym it's connected busters. to your it, new it, flip phone. It, it must. Be, huh? <laughs> 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 
So I'm actually envious of that. I'm like, that's a you're a Z. You, you, you got that, man. It clears your mind. It clears yeah. your mind. It clears your time too. Because even texting, you have to like press the button three I times. I hate texting now. I hate texting. I hate his phone more than like because <laughs> in order I have to like summarize my text. <laughs> because if you text a regular iPhone text, it'll come to me in 15 different texts. Oh really? Yeah. yeah. And not and even if you in order. Send a multiple texts to me. It takes me about two seconds to download or to get the data. Right, and it takes me three seconds to reply. Uh, wow. You know, to so convert do you, it. So, in addition to the flip phone, do you use any gen inter, uh, cellular communications? I actually to, one uh, time. In, uh, to, this is a funny thing. I actually was asked this person who knew about the gen who told me that his uncle is connected to the Tablighi gen. So the Tablighi <laughs> warrior gen. Yeah. So this was basically but like the Avengers. Yeah. Basically. That's an awesome comic I book, know. right? Uh, maybe Khuruj in the the Tablighi Jamaat <laughs> membership in the Tablighi Jamaat is gonna go up. I was actually this is sort of semi joking and semi serious that he I asked I was wondering man how could I possibly if I could possibly get a gin it would help me out as a father. <laughs> then I said to myself, Okay, did you on. watch I Dream of Genie? <laughs> then I said, and he was like, Well, and if she was a female Jin, and since I can't technically marry her, and I said to myself. I said, myself, hold on, probably if Allah knows best, ignorance is bliss, right? Wow. On what most of our kids do behind our backs. Because I know, like, I probably did a ton of things would have disappointed my dad behind his back. Are you talking you about know? a gin to, like, bring you news of your kids or to yeah, help you clean to, up? No, I was, no, I was thinking of a gin to help me clean the house. Oh, no, no. no. I Could just, you imagine if you had a gin, you just come home as, like, cook some dinner, house. clean the house. <laughs> but then you find out that you've sold your firstborn son to, like, the gin <laughs> clan, Rumpelstiltskin. <laughs> so, basically, this woman called me and she said... I said, I do not handle the gin, right? I don't, I don't do anything with gin. She said, please, and begging and crying. I said, okay, there's something I got to do something. I said, so Look. she thought she was calling the Ghostbusters. Basically. She yeah. did. So basically, basically, I said, okay, look, I'll do what is known in the deen, which I'll get rewarded for doing anyway, which is dhikrullah, right? So I called the whole, I hold the, I called the, the whole hangout crew. Oh, but we didn't know. So this is what you, the <laughs> Hangout Crow Moonlights. They're like, so, yeah. tea and kebabs in the daytime. Yeah. <laughs> by night, they're... So I was with him, and he calls, and he's just like, yeah, we're going to go see someone sick. <laughs> so we're all just like, it's true. okay, it's okay true. you know, like, that's yeah. normal. Like, you know, we'll go visit someone sick. Yeah. So we get in the car, and he's like, so the kid doesn't come out of the room. And we were like, okay, like, is he under quarantine? Or like, does he have, like, and he was like, no. Like, he doesn't come out the room. And then, then it just got weirder, right? Yeah. And then he was like, dude, does everyone know? Does his like, bed float? Does his head turn? <laughs> he <was> like, <laughs> does he crawl backwards? Right? And he was like, oh, does, does everybody know how to do the adhan? And we were like, wait, why? Oh, why, why do we need to know how to do the adhan for this? So then that's when he was just like, yeah, so. Yeah, so we had a huddle in the parking lot before we went in. And I told everyone, we're going to do this. What the son of the Prophet said, the jinn, they don't like the adhan. So we're going to go, and everyone's going to go in a different room in the house. And when you hear, so you were like Bill Murray on the of the team, basically. Okay. When you when you hear me call the event, <laughs> you all call the event, right? Then we're going to sit down and do the of uh, 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 God of the evening, Surah Yasin, of God of the evening, and make a dua, and we're going to leave. Right. That's Don't tell it. me like when they're in the middle of Surah Yasin and you forgot an ayah, and the jinn like pokes his head around like, you know, yeah. <laughs> it reminds you the ayah. Praying Maghrib. The person was praying behind me. I was like, that was like the worst prayer I've ever prayed because yeah. I was just like, I'm done. I have to say, I totally enjoy the multiple event, right? If I ever had absolute control on a masjid, 
I would have well, that's the three more styles. Yeah, multiple adhans. Multiple adhans. masjid. Sometimes there's 15 adhans. Really? Yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah, comes I up. Love and multiple multiple adhans. And that's what actually I have great memories of that time when we went to that house. Like, I, where'd you guys? Where'd you go? Upstairs or basement? I, I did the adhan in the kids' room. So you went in the kids. <laughs> <laughs> so you went in the kids' room, right? Someone went downstairs. A whole bunch. Everyone went everywhere, right? So you sent him into like ground zero. <laughs> on the, like, so yeah. I went in there and I was just like. Because me and I think Amir was, Amir was with yeah. me and he was just like, you want to go in there? I was like, you go. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we all called the Adhan at once. It was beautiful. Then we sat, we prayed Salah. Uh, we prayed our Sunnahs. And then we did uh, Surah Yasin and we did the Adhkar of the evening. Now, we all went and witnessed that this fellow, right, was cra- almost cracking up at the Qur'an. As soon as we started reciting, isn't that true, Moin? Really, and he would get weird. He, like he was just laughing. He was giving us like the look of death, like a fe- feeling like it was really awkward the yeah, way he, he was he looking was, at he each was, like, of us. Wearing something in his ear. Didn't you say he was like it was like yeah, satanic oh, well, music and stuff? Well, right? here's, here's this is what happened, and this is where there's some practicality involved in this, right? Where it's not all a joke. Where the complaint was this: they moved to a neighborhood. In this neighborhood, they lived in an apartment at the edge of the woods. So the kid would just take walks and he would smoke cigarettes after work, right? Like at the edge of the woods. He made some friends, right? These friends Human st- friends? Human friends. His friends started giving him a little bit of marijuana, right? So at this point it's common kid problem, high school college kids problems. Not a really big deal, right? Uh, well, bad. He sounds like we're like marijuana fans here, which we're not, right? <laughs> but he then uh, they started then going deeper into the woods to sit and chill and smoke marijuana. Right. Then they started giving him CDs, CDs. He starts listening to CDs and in, in the mom's narration of things, uh, it wasn't regular music. It was a repeat beat, repeat beat to the point that eventually the kid would refuse to take them off and he would have them on while he's sleeping, while he's awake at school at all times, have these uh, this beat beating into his ears. Right. And then he stopped making salah. Then he started flunking out of school. Then he got fired from his job. He looked incompetent in his job, un- unable to wake up, right? Then smoking marijuana all the time and listening to these beats. Then, uh, subhanAllah, what you just mentioned, taking his clothes off and wandering out in the street, right? Without his clothes on. Then they put him in a ward, psychological ward. Then he escaped out of that. Did, did they naked. find anything like that he had psychological issues? Because sometimes they do. They and, and, and a lot of the jinn stuff does damage a person, right? does damage a person physically and otherwise. Then he became into Satan, right? He became heavy into Satan and putting stuff on his walls and removing the Qur'an from his room at all times. His mother would come and put the Qur'an on in his room and he would get so upset, hit the button on the computer and get it out. The name of Allah, Ayatul Kursi on the room, he would take them all out, then he just changed the bolt. He put a, a deadbolt like on his, uh, on his door so no one could come in and take stuff out and put stuff in and look around. So this is the thing that we were called to. And we did it. Okay. And he was giving us a look at death and giggling at the Quran. All right. And giggling at the thing. And looking at the Kaaba. She had the, she would put the Kaaba TV channel on all the time. Because she was so afraid. She didn't know what to do. Imagine if this happened to your son. How dreadful you would be. Right. How, how, like, how scared you would be. So the, here's the good news. I never told you guys the good news about this. Is that. For months, nothing happened. Nothing happened. Mm-hmm. But then I got a, uh, the call from the, you know, the connection between me and this family, this lady, that said that eventually, right, by effort of removing this stuff, 
and putting the Quran in, the kid actually is back to normal. Really? That kid is back to normal. Wow. Yeah. And he's back in the world in college and he's actually back to normal. Well, you should, he, should open a business, huh? <laughs> does he like Old burn? fire station. Well, yeah. We're not taking credit for it, but he actually, it was through a combination of marijuana, the beats that they were having him listen to with those friends going deep in the woods and doing these things had sort of just totally messed up his head and he got infatuated basically with a satanic little group, right? And it messed him up totally. It sent him off the deep end for about two years, right? And yeah. but now he's actually back to normal. Wow, that's 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 yeah. great, Hamdul. I didn't know yeah. I didn't know that. That's that's really cool. Yeah. yeah, maybe he comes back stronger after yeah, experiencing yeah, this. Yeah, probably. Low Adam. Low Adam. But it but it goes to show you how blessed we are to have the Quran. Yeah. Because Absolutely. you know, I think that most people tell you if you observe wudu, if you uh observe salah and you have the Quran in your life somehow, but the bulk, like ninety five percent of the harms of the jinn, even if they do come to you. That it'll be limited. Wallahu ta'ala Adam. But that's usually, you know. So, so Sheikh Rami, I'm not going to forget. You said something about jinn proposal. Mm-hmm. I want to know this story here. I, you know, we're going long, and we'd be remiss if we didn't ask Sheikh Rami about, like, probably one of the biggest things that he does, right? So, I, I want to get to that. Which I'm is not, what? I'm not too concerned about going Taiba. too long Taiba, on this one. Yeah. I'm not too concerned about going long on this one just because... If someone has a long drive, like like a long commute home at night, this is probably... We've done him a good service. Right? Oh, this is... This <laughs> will be... Everyone's going to be listening to this. Jin stuff goes everywhere. Like, you know, this will circle around. I mean, we haven't even gotten to a car who's in Birmingham. So, so who... you know what? This is... Birmingham. <laughs> <laughs> like, you, got, you probably got a book, uh, a phone book of Jin stories, probably. This is what we could do, actually. Just so people will stay and listen to this part. Yeah. We'll do the Jin story at the end. Okay. Right? But I want to talk about Taba Foundation. Well, right? and I got a prison Jin story, too. So we there can you go. Uh, throw that one at the end. So I'll do two Jin stories, two for one sale, you know. So, so, the so, Jin proposal and the Jin in the prison. So, so Sheikh Rami, can you tell us a little bit about Taba Foundation? So, Taba Foundation, we're a nonprofit organization and we deliver Islamic courses by distance to Muslim prisoners and formerly incarcerated Muslims as well. And we did this after a long process of, I've been teaching people in prison since about 2002, people who were formerly incarcerated or currently incarcerated. And I just saw a lot of, a lot of interest on the, the part of Muslims in prison, in the US prison system, to, to study the deen and a lack of access. Um, Islam is the fastest growing religion in prisons. Right now in, in the U.S., out of our students, and in the last two years, we've had 1,800 students, 1,800 students who have taken at least one course. 90%, 90% of those are converts to Islam. 70% of the total number have converted in prison. So it's a huge number of people converting to Islam. And a lot of them are very sincere and very uh, desirous to learn more about their religion, but they don't have access. You know, there's very few people that go into the prisons. There's a few masajid that do work in, in sending volunteers into the prison, but they don't have access to scholars, teachers, and the material that can that they can teach. There is material in prison. I mean, some of the chapel libraries are outfitted, but there's nobody to guide them through through the studies of um, uh, of what they need to know. There's a lot of studies in Arabic. A lot of people are able to through you know self study, meeting an Arabic pr- uh, speaking prisoner or Arabic speaking chaplain, study Arabic. But there's no serious uh, path of study. So we've put together a serious path of studies based on correspondence and distance, and it's geared not only at, at, at solving the issue of the Islamic education, but Islamic education that's geared towards the refinement of their character. So 
you know, we're not trying to create the next Sibawehi, you know, great Arabic-speaking Arabic grammarian. We're not working towards memorization of the Qur'an, although those are great things, memorization of the Qur'an or learning usul uh, al-fiqh to a high level. We're picking out subjects where they're studying the deen, they're studying the deen of Islam, but they're doing it in a way to, to, to help them reform their character, understand the deen, have better, uh, a better relationship with their Lord and in, in, in praying properly, doing pur purification properly, fasting properly, all of the ibadat, and then also having good mu'amalat, a good interaction. So knowing how to interact with their family, how to interact with other Muslims, how to interact with the staff uh, and administration at the facilities that they're in, how to interact with other human beings when they go back into society, strong work ethic, strong uh, entrepreneurial uh, ethic, um, uh, strong family ethic community, uh, and distancing themselves from criminal uh, behavior and helping other people. So we've chosen a number of uh, of courses to do that. And alhamdulillah, we've had a lot of we have a lot of successes on our on our uh, website. If you go to tabafoundation.org, we have a number of videos of some of our students who have done amazing things both in prison and once they've gotten out. Now, not everybody's a success story, and we know that we have some students that keep getting into disciplinary actions, uh, uh, get disciplinary, um, you know, they get disciplined while in prison. So they're, they're Muslim and they're studying and they still have issues to deal with. Some of the Muslims get out and they do come back to prison because of some of the issues that they're, that they're dealing with. But it's just a, a reality of life. We're always going to have people in our society that can't follow the rules of society, uh, the society. So we're working to help them um, reintegrate into society better and using the Islamic education a as a base. I would think that uh, being in prison has some advantages to studying, to focusing. Oh yeah, it does, definitely. Yeah, yeah. And I mean the work I, I, we were mentioning, you know, I was mentioning yesterday that, or today, earlier today that, uh, I guess it is yesterday since we're mm -hmm. now past 1 a.m., um, that uh, a lot of people come to me in free society and they want to study with me. And I say, you know, honestly, I'm... There's very few people serving the Muslims in prison and their educational needs. So I feel that I would be torn away from serving mm -hmm. them. Mm -hmm. and, the, and, the, and also a second thing is that I see a, lo a high level of seriousness in their studies. If I ask them to write me extensive notes on a book, I'm going to get 140 pages from wow. some of these students. If I give them uh, assignments, you know, do this project, this project, they do it and they mm -hmm. turn it in. I mean, we, you can check out on our website and our Facebook Tons of pictures of, of the submissions that our students give give us. I mean, this is like master's level quality work. Mm. They put their hearts into it. I rarely see that in free society. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. To have a person who's maybe if if we had a if it was a program and an institution and a and a four year tract and they're going to get a degree and so forth, we might be able to garner that type of motivation and and, and focus on studies. Mm. But other than that, if you're just talking about Muslims in society that are that are working, because even in prison they have sometimes full time jobs, That's true. and yet at the same time they're putting in some of the like top quality work, some mm -hmm. very successful students. And so my hope is that these men and women not only help themselves and help their, um, their, the, the prisons that, that they're in, but when they go back into society, and we were talking earlier at the beginning of this, of this podcast, uh, which seems like probably yesterday, huh? Before midnight? <laughs> that was a while ago. A while ago, yeah. But we were talking about how minorities are overrepresented in the prison. You know, the people of poor backgrounds are overrepresented in the prison. So when these people leave, they're going to go back into parts of America, rural parts of America, rural poor whites, um, the, the inner cities, uh, people of color, you know, they're, they're going back into these areas that the dominant Muslim community, and I think we're about 65%, the U.S., uh, the U.S., um, 
the U.S. Uh, uh, Muslim population is about 65% immigrant. Uh, the U.S. Muslim population is about 65 immigrant. Uh, so a lot of our communities, they're not, they, they don't have inroads into these communities. Mm. And so these men and women, when they go back into their communities, mm -hmm. like one person was going back into the Appalachian Mountains, mm. you know, upper Wisconsin, you know, uh, the inner cities, they're going to go. And if they're equipped with a practice of their, their faith and able to teach, then they can do amazing one things. One of the things I was actually really impressed with uh, in your presentation, it just made so much sense, is that even when you teach, there are certain subjects in the dean that are more beneficial and more, up, not say beneficial, but more applicable and beneficial to those that setting, such as like the main things that you teach, one of them relates to authority figures, right? And you teach the book on parents. Because if you rectify the relationship with the parents, it's a microcosm of the relationship with the society. Mm -hmm. Because if you think about and, and I've thought about this a lot, the relationship with the parents is a microcosm of everything because sabr is involved, right? It's, it's, it's a sabr is involved with their parents, right? Uh, even the concept of destiny, right? That have no choice. You have no choice where your parents are, right? There are, there's so much involved in that relationship that it's a school by itself. You know, the, the parent relationship to have sabr with them, to submit to Allah's decree that this is your parent and not someone else, right? That's Allah's decree. That's iman there. You're not blaming the system. You're not blaming the system. You're just dealing system. with You're the system. You're dealing with... Dealing the hand that the, you were uh, dealt, dealt, so to speak. Yeah. And then uh, the concept of doing what I don't want to do, how do I motivate myself to do what I don't want to do? It goes back to iman. You have to have a strong belief in Allah's reward for doing maybe what my parent doesn't want wants me to do that I don't want to do, right? So this is uh, that's why when you said that you teach the rights of parents in as in, one of the, cor as one of the yeah, courses, yeah. right? That uh, I was actually very impressed with that because that's a microcosm of how they're going to deal with the rest of authority mm -hmm. figures, right? And, and another course too, uh, the the prohibitions of the tongue mm -hmm. teaches them how to speak with each other. <clears throat> yeah, um, a lot of the backgrounds that they have, a lot of them came from broken homes, raised on the streets, mm -hmm. and so it's literally a jungle. And yeah. the way they speak. They have to affirm themselves and the way they, 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 they speak with other people. It's different than the way the Sunnah interaction of speech is based on. And then w those two courses are a segue into one of the main courses, which is purification of the heart. And a number of our students have said that it wasn't the study of outward fiqh, although that benefited them. It wasn't the study of tafsir. It wasn't the study of, it was a study of going into their heart and working on the diseases of their hearts. And then once they went inward, whether you want to call it tazkiyah or ihsan or tasawwuf, by whatever, a rose by any other name is still a rose. That science is really what helped them change. Um, so we, we focus a lot on that, on the, the inward journey and the introspection. Mm. And we gear a lot of, so even when they study hadith, it's not just to study hadith. and just, You're going to tie these back into your life, mm. how you're going to relate it to your life. And it's amazing that the, the uh, Sheikh Muhammad Mawlud's curriculum Right, covers these such essential things that actually if they're if they're given due attention right uh, they rectify a person and they rectify a family and they rectify the whole community which is these three things you're the parent-child relationship then the tongue which is destructive force right this is why as one of the automat said Allah put it behind cages right mm -hmm. a prison which is your teeth and then guards with your lips then uh, then the heart Right. If if these three, if we actually focus on these three, so it's, I think it's a brilliant, and it's not too much. It's three things, right? It's a brilliant uh, and and a heavy uh, dose 
you know, of what we really need if we could focus on these three things. Yeah. And Sheikh Muhammad Mawlud has, has put them in very simple terms, like, you know, Muharram al is, you know, e- e- not a difficult read. It's, you know, easy, practical, and things that yeah. you wouldn't actually think about. We think Muharram al the prohibitions of the tongue, are like, okay, don't lie, don't backbite, right? But there are a lot of other things that it includes there that you would never have thought of. You know? so, so is there, like, a, a place where folks could go and, and help out or anything. yeah right now uh they can go to our website we have an online donation system we're also looking for monthly donors even if it's a small amount five ten dollars a month we're trying to build up a big base of monthly donors okay. we have currently i don't know when this podcast will air but up until up until december 24th we have a uh, an online campaign so they can support through the online campaign or, or any time of the year they can do a one-time donation. So we welcome one-time donations <laughs> if people are interested in volunteering remotely. We have a number of opportunities. They can contact uh, info at tablefoundation.org. Uh, that's T-A-Y-B-A Foundation. Uh, I think you... Which we'll, is we'll Medina. Put, we'll, we'll put it on we'll Taiba is another name of Medina. The Medina has over 20 names, two zero. And um, uh, Taiba is one of the names. So we named it Taiba out of... Um, um, to, to emulate the city of the Prophet وسلم, that his city was a city that anybody could come into that city and benefit from. Is that the no, the meaning of Taiba? Taiba is just it's one of the names of Medina. Oh. So we could have called it Medina, but there's a lot of institutes called Medina. Uh, so we chose Taiba um, just to to as a, as a name that wasn't commonly used. Mm. Um, and uh, does Taiba does it mean soft, like gentle? Taiba from like Taiba from pure. Tayyib. Tayyib, yeah. We have Taiba. Tayyiba, but it's not Tayyiba. It's, it's not Tayyiba, it's Tayyiba, yeah. Mm, so it's yeah. one of the... Yeah, Tayyiba. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't have my singing voice on tonight. Maybe I need one of those gin to help me out, yeah. Another <laughs> cup of coffee. Another cup of I just had a couple, <laughs> couple of questions about it. So one of the things that I told my Halakha group last week because when I was telling them that you were coming to MBIC um, was that any donation, even a small one, if it's a monthly donation, really benefits because oh, yeah. it allows for planning and mm-hmm. allows people, you don't know what your budget is going to be for that month. Also, so, there's no tuition involved with these students, right? Well, we do have a tuition. We've, we put it's $225 per course. Uh, we've determined that's our cost of operations to be and able to pay. deliver. None of our students uh, pay it. We don't require it. Yeah. We, we have enough funding from the private donations, okay. from Zakat funding, so from uh, our donors cover, alhamdulillah, all of our, the that's courses excellent. for our students. Um, and we, we, we've delivered a lot of courses and got a lot of commendations from, from prisons, various prisons and officials within the prisons of the work that we're doing. Mm. Um, they see the result. They see the result. Which they is, know. you know what's interesting, because we always look for objective uh, ways to grade ourselves. And when you have someone in a jail who's being observed 24 hours a day over a period of years, you know, the one who who's doing that observation is actually making an objective he has so, some objective grounds by which he can make some you know, to a that. certain extent, but a lot of the people that are involved in the prison industry, there's not a high level of education involved in becoming a correctional officer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also a, a high level of um, uh, of prejudice and racism. The Islamophobia mm-hmm. that we deal with as Muslims in free society is m- multiplied in prison because yeah. there's no. Um, but that actually would emphasize because when he does give him a good mark. Oh, if he gives him a good mark, yeah, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of good people. There's there's good uh, there's a number of good people. You know, I don't want to paint a, a use a one sh- uh, paintbrush to, yeah. to to paint everybody. There's a lot. Just like in any society, we we're talking about earlier, Muslim societies, good people, bad people, prison administration, good people, bad people. Um, it's it's a human condition. Yeah. So there are some good people, and I see your point. Yeah, if if um, some of the if they if they see those um, those, uh, positive, changes. those positive changes. And, 
And they go to the Muslims. You know, one of the things that we don't, that a lot of people don't realize, a lot of the legislation that occurs to protect prisoner rights that's pushed by um, prisoners themselves. You know, they go into the law libraries, they learn the law, and they, and, they, and they file litigation. The Muslims have been at the forefront since the 1960s, even earlier, but definitely since the 1960s, of pushing a lot of legislation that, that benefits, uh, benefits all prisoners. So mm. prisoners' rights. Muslims have been at the forefront of that. Mm. Um, and they're, they're winning a lot of lawsuits. Um, recently, one of our students headed a lawsuit in Colorado to establish halal meat uh, for the Muslim prisoners, and he won it. Um, so how do you get in? Like, for example, get into when, prison? No, <laughs> that's the easy part. No. How do you? How does Taiba get into? You know, like, you can't advertise in prison. No, we right? can advertise in prison. You can. And you when, can send flyers. In, we can send brochures. Oh, okay. We can send flyers. Where do and, they, um, they just pass them out to the? They give them to the Muslim group there. What we what? did in 2008 is we sent a number of brochures into um, uh, a limited number of institutions, just okay. to people that we knew, multiple copies. Just said, you know hand this out at Jumu'ah or Palacios in the chapel. That was the last time we actually did any active advertising of our program. Since mm-hmm. that time, it spared by word of mouth. We grew from literally 10 students to now 1,800 registered. Most of it's uh, by word of mouth. We only did that one campaign of uh, limited number of brochures in 2008. And then recently, two years ago, one of our um, sponsors, actually Smile Foundation. So for all of you listeners who support Smile, know that the smiles grant to us over the past two and a half years has been able has allowed us to grow exponentially i mean we've gone literally from working out of a garage to having a staff of four full-time uh employees and four part-time employees and go from 80 students to 600 subhanallah and a great deal of that was because of smile and it was uh salim patel mashallah reached out to me and he said we want uh, some of our donors uh, funding to go to a place that is so difficult to, mm. to reach, which is the you know the, the jails, the Muslim prisoners who have nothing. One of our students wrote to us and he said, he said, I make five dollars a month. That's what I make a month. Five dollars by working in the prison factories. Five dollars a month. I'm willing to send you three to pay for my courses. Wow. I just want to keep two. Can you imagine sending 60 percent of your wealth that to means cover your courses? The stamp is going to be like. 10% of 10% more. of his wealth. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so of course we don't you know, we didn't take his money and um, and alhamdulillah our funding has been able to cover the the cost for all of, of our students. But there's a lot of uh, you see, you know, if you're if you if you watch documentaries, Netflix has this 13th, mm-hmm. the movie the 13th, mm-hmm. you know, watch that. It'll give you a good yeah. overall understanding of and I think every every American should know about current mass incarceration and the history of mass incarceration because it f- affects a lot of people and and just because the majority of our society are are, are immigrants and and we're a very well educated and affluent community and now we're becoming very active in um, uh, in, in in advocacy you know care and uh, and uh, and Muslim advocates and not there's a big section of our society American society in general and the Muslim society that are in prisons Muslims are estimated at about one hundred and fifty thousand. Out wow. of the two, 2.4 million currently incarcerated. So 150,000 Muslims and very little resources from our Muslim communities are going to support them. And I heard recently that they're trying to end the privatization of jails and prisons, which I was surprised because I thought everything is going towards privatization. But uh, have you heard that, Alex? No, I'm. I, it, some states want to reduce the number of private, but other states are it's still growing. It's actually, actually growing, yeah. Because yeah. so. that's the problem. Like you, When you privatize these things... 
You know, you got people who profit off yeah. of this. And even if you don't privatize it, if you have a prison and it's in a city, it's employing the whole city. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're 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 now you're employing. I mean, thousands of people that are associated mm-hmm. with this at multiple uh, sections of the float. And you want to keep, keep it afloat. afloat. And you also have the cheap labor. You yeah. know, they're able to pay because of the Thirteenth Amendment, which supposedly abolishes slavery, yeah. except as a punishment for a crime. Yeah. So they can technically, by the Constitution, be treated as slaves. Yeah. And they do. They I was, force them to take jobs, and they pay them $0.05 cents an hour, $0.20 cents an hour. And good-paying jobs are $0.75 cents an hour. And for the in, the in California, we have 33 prisons, 40 fire camps up mm. and down the Sierra Nevadas. And so these guys are fighting fires, putting their lives on the, the, the line, Seriously. fighting those forest fires year-round. Most of the forest fires you don't hear about. But they're fighting those fires, putting their lives on the line, Making a dollar fifty an hour. That's insane. Next to these insane. firefighters, and you know, the whole, God bless them all. Bless the firefighters. I, I went up recently to some firefighters and said, you know, thank you for all the work, the service that you're doing. You know, putting your so God bless the firefighters. But some of them are making six digit figures, and the prisoners are making a dollar fifty an That's hour. Insane. It's not the firefighters' fault, yeah. but the system's got some yeah. issues. The system as well. I've always just thought about how inefficient is this system, right? Oh, some wow. guy does some minor crime, right? He's gone in for eight years. Then he like he has probably a mom, maybe a son, maybe a son, right? That now doesn't have a dad for eight years, and in contrast, and then who's paying for that? Like we're paying, for we're it, paying for right? it. Now in contrast, this uh, system in Sharia, which is there's some flexibility, which we call tazir, right? And we don't say that prison is totally haram, but we also have limitations, right? Because other people's hukuk are involved. Now in many cases, if you look back in, in Islamic history, you did something wrong. You're going to be called in if you're found guilty. There's someone called the Jallad, right? He comes out. Jallad, he carry, has a big piece of leather. He comes out and he gives you like uh, a, like, like, like a, 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 what would you call like it, a Alex? Spanking. Like an adult spanking, basically. Like adult as in not kids, right? right. Uh, and then you go home. A lashing. A lashing, right? <laughs> spanking sounds which, like, yeah, I know. I was just about to say. Which without an ox, not with an oxtail whip. Right, not with the one that breaks the skin, with a thick like piece of leather, and you go home limping. The taxpayer doesn't pay or doesn't anything, lose anything. No. The mom didn't lose her son, a woman didn't lose her husband, a kid didn't lose his dad, and the entire village learns a lesson when they see this guy limping to the masjid the next morning. Right? They're like, oh, what, what happened to him? <laughs> right? Let me let me avoid that. And there's a lot of mechanisms in the in the Sharia that prevents people from resorting to that behavior in the first place you know just, the prohibition of alcohol i yeah. mean if we just took alcohol out of the mix so, so many, many people just, would just think be of, committing crime and just think of how efficient is this right how efficient is this and you don't need a jury you cut out the whole thing you got a judge a, a upright judge he can he gets here's the case he makes a judgment he go to the jalad right how efficient is this system <laughs> this is a far better system and i'll tell you a lot of these people who do uh uh commit crimes you're not going to tell him go think about it, right? He needs something direct that he could feel and remember. Like that's their language, right? That's the language of many people who are at that level who are at committing crimes, right? To get punched in the face, to get a whipping, right? Is something that he will remember, and that's a use of force, and that's what he will appreciate and respect, right? Someone who for, in some force. cases, in and some cases, we also right? have you know examples um, uh, in, in in Scandinavian countries where. Yeah. Like one example, there's a there's a book called uh, uh, Inc- Incarceration Nations. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think her name is uh, Dries. Can't remember her. I can't pronounce her last name. Can't remember it. Um, 
This is what happens when it's 2 a.m. on a podcast. MashaAllah. <laughs> MashaAllah. We're, yeah. we're also hitting a, a good amount of time. So. Oh, yeah? Okay. <laughs> so um, one of the points that she mentioned in an interview on NPR was that uh, when she went to the Scan- some of the Scandinavian countries, their prison guards, the COs, the correctional officers, they're they're teaching them about therapy and counseling and psychology. They're putting those are the Educa- courses. Whereas oh, in the U.S. In Sweden. In Sweden. In yeah. the U.S., tactical takedowns yeah, you know yeah. uh strat you know riot strategy yeah, and so forth and so it puts you in a different mindset mm-hmm. so they do have examples in some scandinavian countries where, where, where some people don't need that punitive punishment mm-hmm. they do need you know a hug. they need education. somebody to sit down and talk yeah. to them and, and that's why there's tazir, which allows so, the judge to make decisions yeah. and uh i think in that same book she said that the bulk of what's in the prison is that you would think it's a school because they're taking classes all day Right, they're taking psychology classes, how to read people, how to understand people. Uh, uh, well, you know, I'll tell you, know. you I w- I'm I'm in the jail several times a week, and you know, I'm walking in there with a shirt and tie on. I don't have a gun. I don't have a nightstick. I don't have any authority. I'm not wearing a badge. I'm just a regular guy, right? And I'm coming in there, but I treat everybody. I just I, I call them by their last name, Mister yeah. or Miss. Um, I I speak to them like they're adults. I speak to them like they're human beings, and I get a lot of respect in there. Like. It's very easy to get people to, to answer questions and to comply and to be like, because, you know, at the end of the day, they know that I'm there just to be somebody to help them out and to talk to them, right? And, and that's big, though, Alex. You know, it's something yeah. you might think like you treat people with respect and dignity and, oh, it's, you know, that's, that's overly simplified. One brother recently, <laughs> yeah. one, he recently, he became Muslim while in prison. He spent 10 years in prison. Um, he made a he made a deal. They went back on the deal. He spent double the time that they promised that he was supposed to that he was supposed to spend. Um, but we went to Isna, and he was uh, he was there with us at at Isna, and he was there. We we invited him to to come to the Thaba booth at the Isna convention and help us, you know, tell people tell people who are coming to visit uh, the, the the booth about what we do and so forth. But he wasn't ended up not just helping us Thaba. He he got helped himself. Because all of these people are visiting the, ta- uh, the the table. I'm introducing him to people. He met yeah. so many different shiur. And then we walked out of that convention. He said, you know, he said, this is the first day in my life I felt human. SubhanAllah. Mm. Wow. Subhanallah. And I said, I said, tell me about this. Because is this something, you know, just like a exaggeration? He's like, no, no, no. He said, you have to understand. He said, from the time I was a little kid, as long as I remember, people were putting me down. Family members, neighbors, just making fun of me. You know, you're nothing. You're this. You're that. So he said, I had to grow up fighting. Then he gets into college. He didn't want to go into gangs, but because people are, uh, you know, bullying him and talking to, you know, and and it's the it's the whole like law of the jungle, survival of the fittest. And you know, some places there's no choice. And then he gets into prison. Where the whole system is 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 to degrade and to dehumanize, and the strip search, and the cavity searches, and the Mm -hmm. and the the loss of the dignities. And then he comes out into society, and very few people are going to give him a second, you know, second glance. He goes to a masjid, even a masjid. Do you think his, the Muslims are open with open arms? Oh, brother, you know, tala al badru alayna. You have finally mm. arrived. That's not what they're yeah. experiencing. And then finally, a day where he comes, and people are coming to him at the table, and saying, "Oh, okay, you're a you're a seeker of knowledge," mm-hmm. and the shiukhar, you know. Uh, people are asking so him for him dua, a, and people are giving a gift. And we weren't trying to like, you, uh, you, uh, create a new identity, create a, something specific. It was just like, it yeah, just he's happened. what brother, and yeah. and he said, this is the first day I felt it's human. I said, if we, and if we can't do anything more at Thaba, yeah. say we can't produce scholars, we can't produce activists, but we can make people feel human. Yeah. 
we you know yeah. we, we we reached a huge goal which which i always wondered the how it how does it make any sense whatsoever right if you have someone who's done a crime to put him with a bunch of other criminals right is mm. his sword is going to get sharpened right in the wrong you know and, the, and with, then at the end of the day too you know there are some people <clears throat> Some there are some people that just for whatever happened in their life or their their you know nature or nurture whatever it is they need to be in prison. So I'm not advocating against prisons. Yeah. I am advocating for prison reform, for more dignity to be in the in the prison. Uh, for for these they're still human beings. You know they're still they're they're they're, they're still people with feelings and uh, we have to treat them with respect. Uh, but we have to give them resources and resources for for education one of the things that the u.s department of education recognizes is that the the strongest factor that reduces incarceration and recidivism and reduces people going to prison in the first place and reduces people going back to prison after they've been in prison is post-secondary education Mm. even just participation meaning beyond college college education not even completion Uh just participate in it Mm. um and 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 yet Bill Clinton took away the Pell Grants in the mm. early 90s to the prisoners. They took away the number one thing, which is aiding uh, college education. So yeah. we we format our Islamic education by distance yeah. in a college-level class. Mm. So even in addition to them studying Islam, they're also getting used how to, t- to take a college-level course, yeah. exams, and papers. Some people have written us, they said... I had to start and restart this essay. This is the first essay I've ever written wow. in my life. Subhanallah. Yeah, it's not surprising. And this is why, what I believe in Islam, why it's an amazing module or, or uh, uh, avenue of knowledge, is that most learning only occurs when you really love something, right? And Islam really goes to the heart of people, right? It gives you a huge, it's a huge thing that there's eternity involved. Right. There's the maker of all things involved. It's actually so this is a thing that is so attractive right, to the human being that so you can't, it's impossible not to be attracted to this. You need to know more. Right. You need to know more. And Islamic knowledge is like a bridge or a network. You cannot study one thing except eventually you will study another discipline. So even what we were talking about, the jinn, right, it's, it's it piques your curiosity so much. You need to learn a little bit more about it. In the process of reading about it, you will eventually come upon another hadith, another hukum, another scholar, and you will open up another book. Within a short time, you will be outside the subject of jinn and studying another subject. Like it's a, it's like it's a, like surfing the web. It's like a it's web. Like, how did I get exactly. here? Exactly. Yeah. It's like a web where it goes from one to the next to the next to the next. And when you when you read hadith, like a good hadith book, and it has a biography of the narrator, right? In the footnote, you read that and you start wondering. And it leads you to another thing, to another thing. So this is why Islam, I think, and knowledge, are they're, they're intertwined. And what you said also uh, uh, about traveling, that this person traveled with you, this is what they said about Quraysh, like, Quraysh and is because when they traveled, they, become, they became more, uh, I guess you can use the word civilized, or more uh, sharper, than the rest of the Arabs by having that journey north and south and interacting with all those people because interaction with different types of people it sharpens your sword you learn uh, norms you learn uh, you know what is what is normal it's the you concept know, of being cultured cultured, cultured yeah, yeah, yeah you'd be cultured and also I mean most of the where the prison population come from people who have never left that you know oh yeah there's, I've met people Literally in Long Beach, California. Yeah. And mashallah, Allah has, you know, you know that song, God bless, uh, 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 
uh, oh, gracious guy. Oh, man, I can't even sing it now. Oh, beautiful for gracious guys. Amber yeah. raves of grain. You mm -hmm. know, God shed his grace on this. Yeah. There's no doubt, man. America, Allah has put a yes. lot of buttercup in the dunya of America. And you go down to mm -hmm. the beaches of Southern California. Yeah. Lower your gaze mm -hmm. from all the stuff that you have to. But when you look at the beautiful beaches that they have down there, there are people that literally I've met people who were 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 in the in the the gangs uh, became Muslim and left the gang life from from Southern California. I said, is it an exaggeration when they talk about people in Long Beach not going a few miles and looking at the Pacific Ocean? He's like, no, man. Never he said, been. that's true. There will be Same. people that lived a few miles from the Pacific Ocean and they never saw it in their life. Huh. I said, why? He said, because he said, when you get into the gang mentality, you never want to leave the block. Because you you have so much loyalty to the mm. block, mm. you don't want to leave and something happens on your mm. you know when on you were watch. on your watch when you were supposed yeah. to be there, and so they get so dedicated you know so it's, it's it. almost like a cult right yeah. I got my whole world has now become this place they don't even go to the beach that's how it is in, 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 I I was talking to someone someone was asking about my North Jersey accent just yeah. last week at my job and I told them I was like before I was 15 I never spoke to anybody who wasn't from Patterson like I just never nobody came to, and we never went anywhere. Yeah. Like if we went, we saw people in the movies and we heard different accents, but we never actually yeah. met people from outside of town. And Patterson is only like a hundred thousand yeah. people. In nineteen ninety, so, yeah. so um, uh, I didn't mean to cut you guys off. I apologize, but yeah. um, this is uh, now we're hitting two hours, and our <laughs> our uh, listeners, uh, I don't want I don't want it to become too dry and and too long either. Dry. So, if they think it's dry, listen to something else. We're not dry. We're <laughs> right. doing a great before, job. Dry. Before we wrap it up, <laughs> it's I two a.m. Or, or, or have a bowl of this Tony the Tiger. You know, bring out the tiger. Uh -huh. and yeah, sugar rush. Before we wrap it up, Shihrami, I heard you say men and women. So how, there's women also. That yeah. So I was going to mention. You know, earlier when we say we don't do advertising, Smile actually asked us to increase our, our female student population. We had 15 students, one five out of a population at that time of about 500. So we had about four percent uh, female students. The overall population of females in prison in the U.S. is about 6 or 7%. Mm -hmm. So men are, and it's not because there's a disparity in the, the, the convictions of men over women. It's just the fact of the matter of fact, men commit more crimes than women. So there is a gender difference, you know, in, in multiple areas. One of the areas is, you know, men commit more crimes than women. Um, it's not a praiseworthy thing, but it is a fact of life. Mm -hmm. So, uh, but what we did is... Um, a smile asked us to increase the number of uh, female students so we sent out um, information brochures and applications to every single female institution in the United States mm. as uh, all 50 states and we went from um, 15 one five students to 70 so alhamdulillah we have uh, and a lot of uh, one of the brothers remarked to me in prison he said um, he said if you think that Muslim that Muslim men have very f resources to help them while they're in prison. He said mm. the women have even less. So, and it's so important to get the women uh, to get this education for the for the women that because are in the they're situation. the mothers. They're the mothers. Yeah, yeah. they're going to come yeah. out and they're not just influencing themselves and maybe a few people. They're a whole generation. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so um, well, what about that promise that we had, Moin? So we did have a promise. We had two stories. We can't do Yukhrif uh, right? No, no, no we can't. Yeah, yeah. So thank you for listening about, you know, a little bit about Tayba. Please share. If nothing else, you know, of course, we ask for your dua. But go to our website. Check out the videos on the video gallery. We have some letters from some of our students. We have uh, artwork from some of our students. Check out our Facebook. Look at um, some of the things that we have available on our website. And... Um, 
Type of foundation. Type of foundation.org. Yeah, yeah so no, I, distra- well, well, I distracted well, Sheikh Rami because these nutters over here finished all the crackers. <laughs> Unbelievable. Okay. Okay. So, so um, sorry for distracting. Okay, so you thank you for listening about uh, about Type Foundation. Learn more about you know share our story on on uh, on social media. Uh, learn about uh, the prison and industrial complex in the U.S. Mass incarceration. Read some uh, some articles or books or watch some YouTube videos and, and educate yourself a little bit about the the, the, the dynamics of, of prison the prison industry in the U.S. Um, and now to our sponsor. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to just want to jump into uh, those of you that know me listening to this. You know that I I don't support any organizations but three. One of them is Safina Society, obviously. The other smile. I really believe in the work that they do, and the other is Taiba. So, and they're all the way across the country. It's not because they're local, like yeah. like Smile and Safina. Like I really Lower. believe in what they're doing. So, critical. Um, so, if my opinion matters to you at all, yeah. donate uh, even if it's two dollars a month, but commit yourself and there's, to it. And there's there's another thing that uh, and with Zakat eligible too. We have a, a, a that's correct. Um, critical. Uh, I maybe the only organization that uh, receives Zakat that's actually eligible. Yeah. By the way, <laughs> there there's another thing that that's I guess we haven't some problems. <laughs> it's a fact we haven't really <laughs> seemed to talk about is that uh and i've seen this firsthand the islamic teaching that exists in prison right now is a very hard sell and and superficial salafi and wahhabi uh uh teaching right that's you know and, and, and look ta- listen time you say salafi gender these types of things on our podcast okay listen triggered let's let's, so let's not okay if we're not going to say the salafi because you we in, say, a, in america no, okay, even, even in america I'll, I'll build on that just a, a little bit there is an issue like we were talking earlier uh, at the masjid i was talking about uh, authority and obeying uh, the, uh, the the emir and so forth there is a very hard line stance that some people take about islam and it comes from lack of knowledge mm-hmm gang backgrounds criminal backgrounds mm-hmm. and so literally like in one in one prison one of our students told us this gang leader became muslim and within a month he's elected as the emir of the congregation mm-hmm. actually and and when they read the ayah about bay'ah and allegiance to the emir. you know if the emir of that local community you have to obey him yeah and so there's a lot of abuses of power and there are punishments you're talking about ta'zir and so forth so when we have to tell them no 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 amir that just means you're you're the chairman the of that serviceable. you're just you're just the you're the like the, the president of the committee that's yeah. it yeah. nobody has to play pledge allegiance to the to amir you. of yeah. the well, united here's, here's the thing. you know uh, um, uh, and you 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 can't implement any laws underneath the uh, the i said as a muslim you respect the laws of the land so you have a law that you're living under even as a as a prisoner there's laws and guidelines of those institutions you have to follow those uh, those those, mm-hmm. those guidelines and so we 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 do a number of of uh, we do a service to the prisons by reminding our students don't break the law mm-hmm. out of prison and don't break it in prison yeah. and follow the the guidelines and follow and avoid uh, disciplinary actions and respect staff and respect administration mm-hmm. and uh, and if, if we don't say salafi because in america we have a lot of light uh, generous nice kind smiling types of salafis who we don't want to uh, offend or upset even if we differ but what i'm talking about is we all know what i'm talking about yeah, right yeah, now this type of curriculum of islam is extremely hard and does not suit the or, or, or it's or very dangerous medicate the yeah. problems that people have in fact it makes you more rage against the machine and there's a little bit of a, a binary world painted of uh, there's the kuffar 
right? And then half the Muslims are bid'is in the first place, or are uh, innovators in the first place, and you got to command the right and forbid the wrong. And this is out of place. This is an education that's out of place, and it hasn't solved his basic problems. Yeah. I'm telling you, there was a brother who one time, I didn't know he was a former inmate, right? He came to talk to me about something, and I debated him vigorously, right? I debated him vigorously back. And then uh, next time around in the masjid, he refused to give me the salams. And this became, I'm telling you, a huge emotional thing for him. Yeah. Now imagine you take that. See, in the in the in, in free society, you're the imam. You could be like, brush it out. Oh, he's not going to give me salams. What if you're stuck in a prison? There is only one jama'ah. That's true too. And if you become excommunicated, yep. or they don't want to pray you're with not you, protected. and they not only you're not protected, you don't have a community, mm -hmm. and it could endanger your life. Mm -hmm. um, but even if it doesn't endanger your life, imagine that you have one chapel with about 20 people in it, mm -hmm. and so when 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 community fitna affects the prison society, yeah. it's even uh, the prison uh, congregation. It's even it's more even worse. So when we, when I was mentioning earlier about Theba, we 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 choose from the books and the curriculum in a manner that helps people grow. The some of those books that are that are that are being funneled into the prison or that the prisoners are choosing themselves, they're reading about the Quran, they're reading about the Sunnah, but they're reading about it in a. It's almost like they're not getting the equation right. Yeah. And they're misusing and misunderstanding a lot of things, and it causes that hard line stance. It's not the right where they'd be like, listen, you're doing shirk. I'm not going to give you, uh, I'll give you salams. Like one person told his chaplain, he said, I won't give you salams, but I'll pray behind you. How's that work? I'm not even going to pray. Yeah. Well, what? Yeah. How's that work? Like, how's yeah. work? But that's coming out of his understanding from the book. Yeah. So, well, we're, we're so they're not benefiting from One of the, one of the beautiful things about Taiba is that you actually have interaction with a teacher. Mm. It's not just opening a book and figuring it out for yourself. Which nobody can do. No How do you what you're through, through letters? Through letters. Um, and once calls? a student, uh, phone, we also accept phone calls. Uh, federal inmates in a number of states actually allow emails. So we have email mm, contact. Um, and we have our a couple of our courses on a pilot program to get tablets into prisons. Preloaded so with courses. Can you have video conference eventually? Like, uh, if you have tablets eventually, yeah. The prisons, as long as you can maintain security and the prison can make a uh, make some money off of it, yeah. uh, they're going to, you know. So eventually, there's going to be tablets. I, I think within the next ten, ten years, every prison will have tablets I mean, and limited, which you know, uh, is so probably could be a negative because once you it, get a tablet, well, it, it won't be open to the uh, the, the web. Oh, it'll so be yeah, preloaded. So like oh, one where our courses okay. are right now, it's only uh, uh, educational courses. I got you. Okay. So there's vocational training there's college courses you know a lot of those MOOCs that are available on mm -hmm. online they're just taking them preloading them into these tablets so mm -hmm. they don't have open surfing of the, of the web okay. but they can surf through all of these um the, these courses yeah. and they can surf the Taiba courses and take the take the courses mm -hmm. and um, there's feedback from they they write exams they write papers and they write exams so there's, there's somebody a, correcting yeah. your yeah. knowledge so the system is they read the book they take the test then they have a discussion with you however they do it whether it's letters it's, uh, it's mostly calls. through paper and essays okay good. until they get to a certain level then we have um, uh, phone testing and phone conversations That's uh, to help them out and we maintain a, a, a very uh, sophisticated database of uh, scanning and keeping portfolios of all of their work for a number of reasons um, we also have uh, all of their transcripts and their grades and um, well if you have anyone in the Jersey area you know, we do have prisoners in uh, in New Jersey prisons. I, I don't know if you're allowed to do this, but tell them about MBIC. Right? Well, one of the things that we would like to do is after working with a number of uh, prisoners, uh, working with prisoners for a number of years, mm -hmm. once they get ready for release, we would like to contact the communities that they're 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 in going advance. into yeah. and just say, look, we we can't vet him 100 percent. But we can say that he was a good student and and did this with us and please you yeah, know and do well, whatever the, you can. And the, and the to, is a public yeah. place anyway until you actually 
you know, uh, lose your right by doing something wrong, right? right? So the masjid has to accept someone to walk in until they do something wrong, right? So you can't uh, stop someone from coming. Absolutely. So everybody check out tabafoundation.org or .com? Mm -hmm. .org. So tabafoundation.org. We'll also put the uh, link on sspodcast.co. So leave your... uh, comments and inshallah check out tablefoundation.org surf uh, on the website uh, and 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 do donate inshallah so now to our story okay it's now it's now two almost uh, it, two thirty so a long time, time ago if i now can recall though yeah. this was a double header there was There's the proposal stories. and, and the prison the prison that sounds like a play the proposal and the, and the prison. prison yeah <laughs> so what you guys which one do you guys want that's first the name of the podcast uh, <laughs> that's it there you go the gin proposal and no the just the guard. proposal and the prison that's proposal. it okay. the proposal and the prison the proposal there and the prison go. yeah it sounds like a, a a play and we got some brothers from uh, from that's the so uk cool. so you can bring some of that <laughs> shakespearean baraka into uh, you know by the way some people say that uh, that that Shakespeare was an Arab Sheikh Zubair Sheikh Zubair <laughs> okay so I told that to an Indian uh, Sheikh yeah. Sheikh from India and he said no he was he, he was Indian Sheikh Pir oh my God. <laughs> so then the final rebuttal is my dad said not only was he Arab Sheikh Zubair he's from the Insur family we and do why. this oh, just, do this right now type in uh, Shakespeare E-N-S-O-R. His last name is Insur. Are you kidding? No. E-N-S-O-R. I thought his last name was Shakespeare, Bill Shakespeare. His family is the Insur family. Oh, really? So he's from Insur. Yeah, yeah, so he's Jordanian. All right, so. Yeah, Yeah, because. Jin, so we'll start out. We'll segue since we're talking about the prison. So this one brother was talking to me. He said that this, uh, this brother became Muslim in prison. But before he was Muslim and before he knew anything about the tradition of Muslims about jinn and the stories about jinn and the descriptions, he was. Let me say. Let me. Let me. No. Okay. So it's two different. It's it's two different prisoners. So this 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 one prison he was in solitary confinement, and they have a concrete slab that's for that's for their bed, and they leave the light on all the time so that they can monitor the the the, the prisoner. So he was lying down, and um taking like taking it trying to take a nap and because the lights on he put like t- took some toilet paper clean of course and laid it over his eyes mm-hmm. you know you, you put on the yeah, the, 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 cab, visor, the, yeah. the the visors whatever and so from underneath the uh toilet paper, toilet paper. are you gonna cut it out am i gonna what do you edit out at all no we just tell those knuckleheads stop making noise for gear make too much noise so he said that um, our, audi- our audience here is like they- they've taken the liberty of just yeah. Now. Oh yeah. <laughs> We're gonna call this the jet lag uh, episode because I'm totally jet lagged and and off discipline. Yeah, that's probably why I'm telling uh, all these gin stories. Yeah. I don't normally. Shake Rami is on jet lag and he's been giving talks all day and he's gonna give more talks tomorrow. And I'm now recording gin uh, stories that's gonna go into cyberspace and it's gonna haunt <laughs> me for like. Well, we'll be haunted together. So I. I yeah, got, you're the gin buster guy and I got the stories. Yeah. Yeah. We have that crazy one, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We forgot so, to mention the water and how we. Holy water? Oh, yeah. Oh, that we did the thicker in. With uh, Zemzem? What, what this, is, this is also from the Sunnah. Well, the I would water. put Zemzem in a super soaker. Oh man! And now you got like one of those super suckers with the yeah. the backpacks on it. Now you're really Ghostbuster. Yeah. Okay, so what okay. happened? So back to the um, <laughs> and they wear green too, idea. right? So. And you read Quran over the water, yeah. and you know. So okay, so the, he's in the solitary confinement, and he looks up, and then from 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 like the corner of his eye, underneath, 
he sees this creature in his cell. And he said, you know the jesters with like the, the cap, yeah, the, the bells jester. and stuff? That's what he's wearing. And it's either he's wearing a blue or a red outfit. It's all blue or all red. And he's walking across the, 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 the room doing this dance where he's putting his hands over his, his head. Little creature, like about two feet tall. Walks across the cell, gets to the other after he does this little dance, and then runs out. Now, he sees this. He doesn't know anything. And this is before he's Muslim and understands about this. Years later, after he becomes Muslim, after he... And this is the brother who, who was there in the solitary confinement. He told me the story. After he becomes Muslim, he's in free society. And now he hears another Muslim telling his jinn story. Hmm. And this Muslim was in bed. And his bed looked out to a window with a windowsill. And all of a sudden, he's looking. And from the edge of his bed, he sees like hairy claw, claw fingers like hang on to the, to the windowsill. And then raise up his head. And here's the little jester gin. Same guy. But he's wearing what, whatever color he was wearing in the prison, he's wearing the opposite. So, uh, you know, maybe it was a red, blood blue. and now a crip. Yeah. So, <laughs> so he's wearing the opposite color. And he, he climbs up. He, put, he comes up, looks at the guy, and then drops on the floor. Swallow. And then he doesn't see him. And then he comes up to the edge of the bed, puts his fingers on the edge of the bed, lifts up the same way, gets on the bed, and does the same see? exact little gin dance. And then does that and then jumps off the bed and runs into the bathroom. And so then he goes over to the bathroom and he sees his cousin looking into the mirror, doing all this like mumbo jumbo like uh, uh, words as he's looking into the mirror. Maybe some sort of black magic calling the gin or whatever. So he goes into the living room. His and cousin, call, like his roommate. His cousin is also his okay, roommate. Yeah. So okay. who's non-Muslim in the bathroom okay, doing that? Where the doing this calling of the okay. gin or whatever. Yeah. And so then he calls the event in the living room, and his cousin runs out of the house. But the way he dis the way this brother said, he said, I had never talked to this brother before, never told him my story. It was just mm. me in prison. Nobody ever knew that story. And he describes the same little Ajeeb. Jester Jen. So if you're out there listening to me, little Mr. Jester Jen, <laughs> I got Dr. Shetty and the Ghostbusters <laughs> team over here, you know. Check it. I have a question though. I always wonder when people see a jinn, are they seeing like because uh, we know they're made of smokeless fire. So they're not seeing a material form yeah they are they're yeah. seeing a material form you can kill them not they're not seeing i've always figured they're seeing like some Wait. kind of well see light, one of the one know, of the, like, the scholars mentioned an interesting thing in the tafsir he said even though we know they're made from fire like somebody asked one of the early scholars he said the jinn are made from fire how are they going to be punished by fire and he yeah. took a clay brick and he smacked him uh, uh. so even though we know we're from clay you know it's different than its original form and to be honest do we have fire inside of us yeah, Do we have like energy? Yeah. yeah, of course. We have yeah. energy. We're made up of, you know, energy. Yeah. And so he said human beings are made up of clay, but they also have energy. They also mm. have light. So they have the same. The angels are made up of light. And they, he said they also have an element of clay, water, and fire. But their dominant, oh, uh, their dominant structure is yeah. made of light. So I, and the jinn have water, earth, fire, and light. But their dominant structure oh, is I fire. See. I see. So we don't uh, understand the exact details of what it is, but yeah. when they come, when they and they're also shapeshifters. Yeah. When they shapeshift into the form of humans, then now you can see them, you touch them. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if I, people get married to jinn, right? I always thought that it's like a not. It's something that you could maybe see as a form of um, smoke or something. Like you know, when they make a graphic image of a of like a, a three, like a hologram. I always imagined it like a hologram. You know yeah. that you like like you could put your hand through it, that you can't really touch it. 
that well, it doesn't happen. People have, get married to that. That's what I thought. That's I always how well, I Well, maybe they're shapeshifters, so if they come yeah, in that come form, in. you know, I, if they come. I heard the Western ghost story, right? It's, yeah. Yeah, they're ghosts. Like, if you talk about, if somebody it. said, do you believe in ghosts or jinn? So, yeah. I mean, aliens? Say jinn could be both. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's so, the proposal story. Nice. Uh, so, we would, uh, in, in Mauritania, we would, uh, there's this reservoir about an hour walk from the village and we would go there and uh, wash our clothes and it's it's really interesting to be in the middle of the Saharan desert and swimming and uh, you know in a huge lake reservoir dammed up a valley and the the, the water comes in uh, to, to to fill it up so we spent we spent the day there and we would wash our clothes and there's no stores around for us to buy clothes and there's very little cotton in Mauritania you know with the flow mm. the clothes that come in it's Whoa. all synthetic okay. from from and synthetics in the heat is, ma- is very hot so yeah. I would bring cotton clothes specific for them so we get back to the village and I'm like oh man that cotton shirt that I have it's back there at the reservoir and yeah I'm gonna walk back I'm gonna do a two-hour round trip to get it so a friend of mine he says I'll walk with you and it's like okay it's in the afternoon you know we walk back so we walk down to the to the reservoir we get my shirt we come back we have a nice you know chat and walking through the it's very scenic out there in the the mountain region of Mauritania in West Africa and so then that night this guy who's walking with me a gin lady with her wali and family come and propose marriage to him and she said I spotted you I, you know I but how did you know it was a gin lady he knew it was a gin lady. You didn't see anything. I didn't see anything. He was but alone. she said, he was alone in his tent. And, you were. and she came, because he came to me the next morning. He said, Rami, I was approached, approached by a gin lady and her family, and they want me to marry her. And I was like, whoa. And he said, and, and she, she lives in the mountains on that pathway to mm. the reservoir. And she said, yeah, I saw you with the other guy. And she described me. And she, he said, he, and they kept coming back to him. She was like infatuated with him. Jeez. She was in love with him. She wanted to marry him. But she wanted to make it halal, man. So she was a, probably a Maliki, I guess, right? Uh, West Africa, yeah. You, you said Maliki Jinn, right? Maliki Jinn, yeah. <laughs> yeah. SubhanAllah. But no, but the, so she's actually doing things in the Sharia way. Yeah, at least. With her wali and her family. And that's what happened in the time of Imam Malik. A group of men came from Yemen to Imam Malik and they said, there's a jinn who has approached our family. And like he's claiming, yeah. like, oh, I, I just want the halal. Yeah. I would like to marry your daughter. Can I do What's that? And he, said, and he said, I dislike this because then women would come out and they're pregnant and they claim, oh, you just can't see my husband. That's true. And it would be a, a cover for, for, for illegitimate chil- children. Um, so, yeah. But my advice, you know, don't try to marry a jinn. Uh, I Dream of Genie was just a movie, guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Oh, cool, man. So this was, uh, th- you know that we recorded this at 3 a.m. This is the jet lag episode when, over here. When, uh, yeah. Yeah. We, we've now talked about like the, the, the craziest thing. So this was a fantastic episode. Uh, thank you, Sheikh Rami, for joining us. Alhamdulillah, thank this you for having great. me. Thank you, uh, Waqar, Harun, Alex, Dr. Shetty, and our yeah. audience. Alhamdulillah. So, uh, we ate all the crackers. Don't thank them. <laughs> so, uh, they've been making way too much noise in the background this time. Uh, but Alhamdulillah. So join us next time on the Safina Society podcast. Thank you, everyone. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.